This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, what's up? How are you? The Monty Show. Good morning. December 7th, 2022. It is the Monty Show, Utah's biggest sports talk program. Shocking news out of Ogden last night as Pete Thamel from ESPN sent groundbreaking, shaking, seismic waves through the BYU football community as Jay Hill is the next defensive coordinator at BYU. What does it mean that Jay Hill is coming to BYU football. What does it mean for the Utah Utes that Jay Hill is coming to BYU football? And furthermore, what does it mean for Spencer and Logan Fano that Jay Hill is coming to BYU football? We'll have all of that. By the way, what does this mean for Sean Newitt? Is he still leaving USC? We'll tell you why he has not yet left USC. I think it is, without doubt, one of those mornings here on the Monty Show presented by The Advocates, Utah's number one injury attorney, The Advocates. Check them out online at theadvocates.com. I think it is without doubt and without question that when you look at what happened with Jay Hill and BYU last night, it is absolutely gravitational that BYU was able to hire Jay Hill as their next defensive coordinator. And I say that because Jay had options. Jay could have gone a lot of places. But Jay Hill wants to be a D1 college football coach. And after all the success he had at Weber, that just did not materialize for Jay Hill. So he ends up at BYU football as a defensive coordinator. And I can't speak highly enough. I cannot rave highly enough about this hire of Jay Hill by BYU football. And I say that because Jay Hill is a fearsome recruiter. Jay Hill is an excellent defensive mind. Jay Hill is an excellent special teams coach. Everything that you want, Jay Hill does it on the football field. But maybe more importantly, with what we've seen in the last 72 hours, and really over the last two weeks, if you will, Jay Hill is an excellent recruiter. Jay Hill arguably is a top two recruiter in the state. And when he was at Utah, he was one of the 25 best recruiters in the entire country. This is a seismic hire for BYU football. And Jake, I don't know that any other move that BYU makes this offseason, I cannot think of a move that would be more impactful than BYU football hiring Jay Hill. Yeah, 100%. I think that, it, it, obviously, like you said, it's a huge move, and I think it's one of those moves that, that allows you to feel good about yourself and allows you to to feel like you got to win. And, and, and again, just like I said about Sean Nua, I think you got to say it about Jay Hill, except you feel a little better about Jay Hill, which would be, you know, great. You hired him. Let's see what this defense now looks like. There are a lot of people who are espousing about the idea that, you know, maybe Jay Hill rolls out a 3-4 instead of a traditional 4-3. Maybe there's some creativity happening on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe we see some some uh, some more safeties coming down and playing the box a lot more often. Like so, I think a lot of people are excited about what Jay Hill brings to the table. A lot of people are excited about 
you know, creativity and fresh blood and fresh ideas and fresh voice. And I, and I think that that's what the program needed. I, I think that this year was such a struggle and it's unfortunate because I think most BYU fans left this season feeling like it was kind of a disappointment, which honestly it was kind of a disappointment if we're being honest. I, I, you know, I think that nine or even 10 wins is kind of the bar now at BYU. And, and I think what better way to, to test a new hire that you got you know, a guy in Jay Hill who's experienced, then throwing him right into the fire of the Big 12. You know, you want to be a D1 football coach? Well, here you go, right? So to me, I think, yeah, it's a great hire, and I, and I think that um, this is hopefully the first of many really positive and and good for the program hires for Kwani. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt this is a good hire. I mean, you you look at the resume of Jay Hill. He obviously dominated at Weber, 66-39. and 39. Um, His defenses were absolutely dominant um, in the big sky, which, hey, I mean, you can only win where you're at, right? So I give Jay Hill a lot of credit for that. I look at some of the other numbers on his resume, and, and, and it speaks directly to the weakness of this BYU defense last year. 93rd in total defense nationally last year, 410 yards a game last year, 98th in rushing <coughs> defense last year, 100th in scoring defense, averaging 30 points a game against the BYU defense did last year. There is no way, shape, or form, in my opinion, that you could have trumped this move. I think this is absolutely a transformative move. And I have one concern. How long will Jay Hill be at BYU? That is my one concern. You're going to pay him a million dollars a year by some reports to be the defensive coordinator at BYU football. How long is Jay Hill going to be there? Yeah. Because there, there was quite a bit of consternation at BYU. And I could tell you, talking to sources at BYU over the last two days, um, I talked to at least half a dozen uh, people last night connected to BYU football and every one of those people thought that Sean Hill was, was, or excuse me, Sean Nua was going to be the defensive coordinator and that Jay Hill was going to be the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. But it was very clear as the day wore on yesterday and really over the last 48 hours that there is some hesitation by the administration at BYU to hire Sean Nua as a coordinator. Sean is not active in the church he does not have a Temple Recommend, which at BYU carries a lot of water. And it's something that gave great pause uh, to BYU about hiring Sean Nua. I know I was told by three people that, that Kalani Sataki has fought hard to hire Sean Nua as the defensive coordinator and was not able to do that. And I think it paints the picture of why there was so much delay in the hiring of this, this coordinator. Because I can tell you right now, I also talked to several BYU players last night um, exchanging text messages where they were talking about the instability and the insecurity over the last 72 hours. Um, Spencer and Logan Fano transferring was a huge body blow to this program and really Spencer flipping his commit, um, Logan transferring in the transfer portal. Now, I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to put the dots together to say the Fano brothers are going to wind up at, at, up on the hill at Utah. I don't think that's a surprise at all. But a lot of these moves people feel like is because of the delay in getting this staff together. You know. And you really only had the news that Kelly Papinga was coming from Boise uh, to Provo to be the linebacker coach. 
But I think a lot of people were waiting to see what was going to happen with Sean Nua. And now that we know that Sean Nua is not going to be the defensive coordinator, I think that really surprised a lot of people who were anticipating that move. We told you Friday during the show, we were getting a ration of text messages saying, hey, this is about to go down. Hey, X, Y, Z. And then the brakes were pressed. Like nothing happened. There was no movement. And now we know that management at BYU are hesitant to give the coordinator position to somebody that is not a member of the church and doesn't have a temple recommend. God bless. That's a huge problem for BYU. Now, is it the right move? I don't know. If you bring in Sean Nua to be the defensive line coach, which I'm told is still a possibility, that would not be surprising. Because if Sean Nua is here and does a good job as a defensive line coach, when Jay Hill gets that job as a head coach in the next two years, I would guess, it would not be surprising to see Sean Nua elevated. Now, does that mean that he becomes an active member of the church? Does that mean that he eventually winds up with a Temple Recommend and that's why he would be able to join the staff as you know, or to be elevated on staff as a defensive coordinator? All of that is yet to play out. But one thing is very clear. The hesitation and the delay that went into this hire as to have Jay Hill be the defensive coordinator at BYU football absolutely hurt the recruiting and absolutely hurt, in my opinion, the stability of BYU's roster over the last week. And I think, I think that's really unfortunate. But this is not something that is terminal. This is not something that can't be made up. Because Jay Hill, again, for everything he is as a football coach, he is an incredible recruiter. He has deep, deep ties and inroads throughout the state of Utah and really throughout the mountain region for recruiting. And I think when he was at Utah, Jay Hill established and continued pathways and pipelines throughout the college football community. He was a prolific recruiter at Utah, Jake. And I think that is, and arguably that is the the biggest need on the defensive side of the football at BYU they need an influx of talent on defense. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, not only do you need the influx of talent, you need somebody that knows how to use the talent properly because, you know, what good is the the fancy sports car if you don't know how to drive it, right? Like, what good is elite talent if you don't know the position you need to put them in to be the most successful? And 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 I really just hope that, you know, Jay Hill can come in here and, and, and obviously I have no doubt that he'll be able to recruit. Obviously, you just said the guy's a prolific recruiter. Like, I, I have no doubt about that, but I, but I think... What what I certainly want, and and I have to imagine what most of the BYU fan base wants is results. I mean, you're, you're you're heading into the Big Twelve. Like this is cool. This is great that you're hiring Jay Hill, and and we now understand the Sean Newest situation as you just described, and you know we understand what's happening here. But I think BYU fans want traction. They want a defense that can stop the run. They want a defense that that isn't a hundredth in the country or whatever. And they want a defense that is reliable, you know, and, and it does beg the question, you know, what does this BYU football program look like with a prolific defense? Because I don't think you've really had that in some time. I can't even remember the last time you had uh, a big time defense you know, that really well, was your backbone. If you look at Logan Fanu, the problem is that Logan is a prolific edge rusher. You have to remember that this is a guy that was a four-star recruit, um, comes to BYU, serves a two-year mission, comes back and immediately tears his ACL in spring practice. And now it looks like he's never going to play it down at football at BYU, which is really an unfortunate result because Logan is a hell of a football player. That's a guy that was a big get. Spencer was absolutely a big get in the recruiting world. I mean, 
when when he was you know committed to BYU, he was a rock solid commit. He was coming to Provo. And now all of a sudden, not only is Spencer not there, Logan's not going to be there. And that is an absolute position of need. Anybody that watched BYU football this year is well aware this club could not get after the quarterback. There was very little pressure. And at times there was no pressure on the quarterback. And it likely cost, you know, Elisa Tuiaki his job. Because when you can't get after the quarterback in college football, it is absolutely crippling. And it's one of those things, frankly, that when you look at BYU's shortcomings on defense, a lot of it was the quarterback had time and space to either stand in the pocket or move around the pocket and deliver the football. And it's crippling when we're talking about guys like Michael Mayer at Notre Dame. When a guy like Drew Pine, who's not a prolific quarterback, by the way, he's also in the transfer portal. But when a guy like Drew Pine is able to stand in the pocket and move around the pocket and find the best receiving tight end in college football, arguably, you're going to lose that game. And I think we saw that repeat itself. I think we saw that certainly against Arkansas. I think we saw that certainly Bo Nix dominated uh, BYU up at Autzen Stadium. Like, I mean, it is a huge problem. The lack of defensive line authority, the lack of defensive line production, the lack of edge rushing that we saw at BYU. Jay Hill, philosophically, through his track record, through his time as an assistant at Utah, through his time as a head coach at, at Weber State, they dominated defensively at Weber State def- uh, on the defensive line. I would expect that to continue. But the other thing I think that has to be said is now Kalani Sataki can put all of this, hey, my friends and relatives and their cousins are all coming to be coaches at BYU. We could put that narrative to bed now because there is no way to argue that this is now a much better defensive coaching staff than, than Kalani Sataki has ever had. When you look at Kelly Papinga's ability as a recruiter and as a linebacker coach, it is inarguable that he is a big step up. When you look at Jay Hill, his ability to recruit, again, Kelly and Jay can both recruit. You look at Jay Hill and the experience that he has in the Pac-12 and his experience with Kyle Whittingham, what he learned under Kyle as an assistant, what he was as a player, a really good defensive back, what Jay Hill was as a player, what he was as an assistant, what he has been, his level of importance to the, the now history he made at Weber this is inarguably a really big step in the right direction as BYU football prepares to take this huge leap into the Big 12. This is absolutely a good day to be a BYU football fan. And frankly, if, if you're a Utah Ute, absolutely the Fano news was huge for, yeah. for, for Utah. Those were two big names to get in the transfer portal. Now, again, recruit flipped, Spencer flipped. Logan Fano and I hope people haven't forgotten, and I know it's been a long time since we've seen him, you know, put out a uniform and play it down at football. That kid's an ass kicker. And I'm telling you now, there, there is a real loss with Logan Fano, even if he has a torn ACL, even if he hasn't played, he's coming off of the mission. It doesn't matter. That kid is a football player. And I think that's a big loss for BYU. I don't know that there's any way to spin those brothers leaving, leaving Provo. Yeah, I, there isn't. I, I think that, unfortunately, when talent leaves... Through the transfer portal, like like the saying, it is what it is, you know, is spot on. Like, it is what it is. They they decide to go to Utah or, uh, you know, that's what yeah. people think. And I think, 
you know, it just it, it, that's a fact of life in college football. But I think you know the, this whole concept of bringing Kelly Papinga in um, and bringing Jay Hill in is really fascinating to me because I I do think it supports this narrative of hey they're going to change the defensive scheme they're going to look to play no no they're going to change the culture on defense at BYU. Uh-huh. I think that's the right way to put it. Not to interrupt you. Yeah. But I think we use a lot of hyperbole in sports. We use a lot of big words. Awesome. Amazing. Culture is a huge word. And I can tell you right now, talking to BYU players, especially on defense, BYU players have told me there was no accountability. BYU players have told me that the locker room at times was divided that there was infighting, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, that guys did not enjoy on certain days coming to practice. You saw that manifest itself on Saturday afternoons. We we saw, I mean, tell me again, how much fun did you have at Oregon? <coughs> From the moment that you got that ass kicked in Otson, how much fun was the rest of the football season for you? On offense, I think you were fine. On defense, I don't think guys had a lot of fun. And I go back to the Gabe Judy Lolly interview we did on this show and his direct blunt answers about accountability, his direct blunt answers about doing the job. I think much to your point, the culture is what needed to change. Jay Hill and Kelly Papinga, who by the way, I by reports, are going to meet with the BYU football team today. Because We've only had one report out of Boise saying that Kelly Papinga was coming to BYU. Now, from what I understand, it that's done. BYU players have been told, like, that's done. You look at what this means to BYU. Maybe we're not, maybe we are not, I don't know. Are we overstating the importance of this? No. I don't think you can. No, I mean, I, I don't I, think you can. I, I think that the defense was embarrassing. I think that the 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 calls for Tuiaki's job in the middle of the year are were spot on, in my opinion. And I think, you know, I can appreciate the class that it was handled with. You know, I can appreciate that Kalani didn't want to blow up his program in the middle of the year in week five. I yeah. can appreciate that. But I think that I can also appreciate how swift the changes have been. And, and I think that... Again, like in part of changing the culture, that doesn't just happen in the locker room. No, like obviously, doesn't. that's where it starts, but it doesn't just happen there. Like I, I really think that, you know, I, I, I know I keep bringing up this three four thing, but I think it really matters more than just because that you know a, allegedly is the scheme that they're looking at. Like I think that, you know, when you play a three four, it's a much faster style of defense. You're moving a lot more. You're putting a lot more emphasis on your 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 linebackers to to get the job done. And I think that BYU knows that it has really good linebacker talent. And I think it wants to, like, I would imagine Jay Hill, uh, and again, Kelly Papinga, want to develop these linebackers to to be elite and to, to make the plays that they should make. How different is that Oregon game if BYU simply had better tackling technique and brought guys down when they should have? How different is any of these games if... You know, they were bringing the guys down that they had first contact three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like, these games could be a lot different. That's what I'm saying. I don't think BYU was that far away from a 10-win season. But I think mentally this past season, like you talk about the infighting in the locker room and, and the drama and, like, everything that was going on, mentally they were very far away. Physically, I think they're there with anybody. I, I think that, you know, they can they can compete. 
And that's why I say doing this now, heading into the Big 12, while it's not ideal, it was necessary. And I think that hiring Jay Hill and, and uh, you know, Kelly Papinga, like I think that is a really, really good combination. And I would expect a much better defense out of those two. I would expect you to be able to stop the run. I would expect you to, to, to be able to limit the passing game or make it difficult on people, which you did not do this season so yeah i think it's i think they're good hires but we need to see how it translates it's just such an important moment in time because i also think there's something here about about where kalani sataki stands at byu because you didn't just hire a defensive coordinator sean nua as a defensive coordinator was absolutely no threat to kalani sataki and one of the questions i was asked last night was do you think this was kalani's decision I do. I think Kalani Sataki and Jay Hill know each other well. I think that Kalani Sataki is not a guy that is insecure. And I don't think that Kalani Sataki for a moment thought to himself, well, if I hire Jay Hill, they're going to fire me. Or he'll be the guy that will replace me. I don't believe that Kalani thinks that way. I think that, yeah, it makes perfect sense that if, if you go 0 in, you know, 24 to start your Big 12 career. Get the fuck out! Jay Hill's going to be the next head coach at BYU. Yeah. I don't believe that's why Jay Hill came here. And again, I will just reset as we talk about incredible news that BYU has hired Jay Hill to be the defensive coordinator uh, for Kalani Sataki. I, I think it's what had to be done. It's what had to be done. I And I say that on multiple fronts. I think you had to... Probably saying save the locker room, that's a bit much. Let's not get so dramatic. You had to reset the culture at BYU on defense. That's what this does. You had to provide a shock to the system. Yeah. I mean you had to Absolutely. You, you had to rock the boat a little bit and you had to you had to get a get a level of, you know, accountability that, that was higher. I, I just don't think that that, you know, you can be a good football team and not have accountability and I, and I think that that Jay Hill and and I'm telling you I know Papinga is only a linebackers coach or whatever but I'm telling you he knows how to hold guys accountable and I'm telling you when you have like when you have quality coaches across your staff that's huge because then they can all work together on one level of of accountability like I really felt like last season you know you look at Tuiaki and you look at like you know the Ed Lambs of the world and some of these other names and it, it, Ed Lamb me, who by the way went to Northern Colorado to be the head coach yeah so like, he was out like you, you but you look at it and it feels like hey like there were kind of different levels uh like depending on who you talk to it's kind of like the kid going to mom versus going to dad type thing right like mom's gonna give you one thing dad's gonna give you another type thing and, and, and it's just dysfunctional and that's why I say yeah, Jay Hill may may be a, 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 quote, threat to Kalani's job on some level, but the fact is, is that, you know, he's just a better coach than Elisa Tuiaki, with all due respect, you know? And, and you can't make hires with the fear of losing your job. You got to make hires with the intent to win football games, and that's what, that's what I think Kalani's doing. I, I also think it's noteworthy to say that they're paying Jay Hill a million dollars a year. Yeah. That's a lot of money for a defensive coordinator. And I think when you look at that kind of financial commitment, I, I, I think it is, I think you cannot understate that, especially at BYU. BYU is notorious for underpaying coaches. Now I'm telling you that Kalani Sataki is very well paid. Um, and I don't think that they have, they have held any penny back 
from Kalani and the football program. And we've talked about that. Yeah, we've talked about this for, for I feel like, a year going back to Kalani's flirtation with Washington. Yeah. Um, there was all this, well, they're cheapskates. They haven't been cheapskates under Kalani Sataki. This is, this is a living example of that. If in fact, and we'll never know, but if in fact Jay Hill is making a million dollars a year, that's insane money for a guy that, I mean, essentially he is your, he, he is your second in command on this staff. The real. He is, there is a new, there is a new boss in town. Like I'm there the is, real. there is, I mean, this is a big, big deal. You don't pay a guy a million dollars to have him be a, a secondary voice. Yeah. Jay Hill is now one of the 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 true leaders of the 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 message and the direction at BYU. That's what I'm saying. I think Kalani needed that though. He didn't have another guy. But what it, it is a huge, huge I, I actually give Kalani a lot of credit for this. Because I, I sat here on this show yesterday and said that I feel like Kalani Sataki is a really, really strong defensive mind. I must have gotten a dozen messages telling me I don't know what I'm talking about. That Kalani was only as good as Kyle Whittingham allowed him to be. And that Kalani's defenses were so good at, at, at Utah because of Witt. Okay, that might be, but Kalani was still the defensive coordinator. I watched it with my own two eyes. I give Kalani Sataki a hell of a lot of credit for having not only the humility to make this Jay Hill hire and pay him a million dollars. I give him a lot of credit for having the confidence to go out and hire Jay Hill because what is he saying with that hire? Kalani is saying, we were not good enough. I was not good enough. We need new voices in here. This is not, this is not another friend of the program. This is a cat that's going to come in here after making history at Weber State. Let's not understate what Jay Hill. Do you understand the gravitational loss that Weber State just sustained? You're not replacing Jay Hill. Certainly there will be another football coach at Weber State. You, you are not replacing what Jay Hill did at Weber. Yeah. You're, you're just not. You don't replace that guy, right? So you bring him into your staff. Kalani Sataki had to have courage, he had to have humility, and he had to have intelligence to go and get a guy the magnitude of a Jay Hill. Because, quite frankly, I think Sean Nua would have been the guy if, if the, 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 the membership in the Temple Recommend hadn't been such a big deal. I think, I think that Sean Nua would have been your defensive coordinator. Yeah. I think he still would have tried to hire Jay Hill as the assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. Hey, that's all well and good. And by the way, if they hire Sean Nua to be the defensive line coach, this is now a... I was talking to a, a guy that I trust a lot on BYU football last night, and he said, hey, this is a really good staff. By the way, if they still get Sean Nua from USC, which I'm not saying they will, but if they get Sean Nua from USC, now you're, now you're in a different league. Yeah. Because Kelly, Jay, and Sean, that, those three with Kalani Sataki, come on. Come on, forget yeah. about it. Yeah. I mean, that is a really, really solid, yes. solid foundation of defense at BYU. Yeah, and then I think the only question after that is who's playing quarterback for you. That's well, what I think. That's what I think you got to figure out. That's a big deal. And and by the way, um, you know, uh, I want to I want to point this out very clearly. Everybody's asked me if Harris Lachance is coming on today. He is not. I am not going to detail it, but he had he has uh, had a medical procedure. Um, that is going to prevent him from coming on the show today. But simple? he is not. He is not dodging. He is not doing the oh, all this is going on. I'm not. 
Harrison, I texted last night and he's doing fine. Um, but he had a routine medical procedure that's going to prevent him from coming on the show. So, um, I see people asking about that and it's, yeah, I just want to make sure we get that out of the way right away. Let's get your thoughts in here. Jay Hill is the new defensive coordinator at BYU. Um, your thoughts on that. Edgar Garcia first went in. He says, good morning players. What's up? Uh, good morning. Home Rays. Let's have a good show. Neville says, Neville, how are you? Uh, Chris Carnes says, let's talk Jay Hill. Any idea what type of defense he's going to run? Yeah, I, I, I think he's going to run a three, four. That's what I think. I think that he's going to, he's going to roll out a fast defense. I think he's going to lean on Kelly Papinga to develop the linebacker core to a higher level to be able to play a three, four. Um, and I think that let's say they're able to get Sean Nua again. I don't know that I would say I feel good about them getting Sean Nua because I don't. But let's say that that did happen. That's why that would be so crucial. Because then you've got a guy in Sean Nua who can develop the hell out of the defensive line. You've got a guy in Kelly who can take care of the back, the backers. And then you've got Jay Hill, who obviously is going to oversee the entire defense. And I think that that setup to me just screams that you're taking care of the details, the little things inside of the game, which is exciting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to play that 3-4. You're going to have to go out and... Really, you're going to have to really battle for defensive tackles. And you're really going to have to find a way, um, you know, to, to find guys that can, can take on double teams because that's really what it takes uh, to be a, a, a solid 3-4 defense. Um, and excuse me as I am rudely on my phone again. But uh, to, to you're going to have to get defensive tackles that can play a 3-4 three, three, defense because yeah. that really emphasizes really good pass rush that really emphasizes outside linebacker play in the 3-4 scheme, which you have. You have good – I mean, you have a depth of talent at linebacker. Um, so I think you would be fine there. It's just going to be a matter of what you can get um, on that defensive line. And I don't necessarily think that that's the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think you're, you're going to have to – you're going to have to do that and you're going to have to do it well. But I, I think they can do that. I think – Again, the transfer portal is going to be massive. You have got to dominate the transfer portal, yeah. you, you, uh, especially on defense. Obviously, you're going to have to find somebody you believe can be your starting quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I think it's very interesting. Some of these questions, you know, the the you know the, the Romneys, the you know obviously the Pukas, the Jarens, the like. Where are you at offensively? You need better running back talent, absolutely. Um, I think the Barrington loss on the offensive line is a big problem because, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Harris and others are not coming back on that offensive line. You're going to have to refill. I mean, you have a lot of work to do offensively. You have a lot of work to do defensively. Oh, by the way, you're going into the Big 12. Good luck. Like, this is going to be a – this <laughs> That's is – what I'm saying. Like, this is this has to be just the tip of the iceberg. These are phenomenal hires, and I'm not trying to sell them down or anything, but, but you have to continue. You, I mean, you have to keep pushing here. I think the work that you are doing, I mean, it's significant. You have a lot, now that you're in place and you, you still have to go ahead and backfill some of these other defensive positions, you're, you're really going to have to work hard now. I, I mean, like this isn't the end. This is, this is, you haven't even begun yet, right? You have not even begun yet. And if you look at, by the way, some of the, uh, the assistant talent, you, anybody notice who, who Deion Sanders is talking to at Colorado. You want to Deion talk about assist ball. Hey, man, you, you look at Mike Zimmer and Tim Brewster. 
are guys that are going to Colorado to be assistant coaches. Mike Zimmer is a hell of a defensive mind. I mean, college football is coming. Like, I mean, the, the, the level and the quality of assistant coaches that are coming in to some of these programs. Again, Jay Hill is an absolute, this is a, a, a home run on every sense. And the only thing I'll say about Jay Hill is why is he not a head coach? Why is he not? Why is he not at UNLV? Did maybe, he not want to go? Maybe, maybe he appreciates the opportunity at BYU. I mean, maybe I—I I don't know. Come like, I, I mean, maybe it's. Come uh, on now. I, I get it. Maybe that's not a popular take, but I'm telling you, like, at some point you have to, like, with all due respect to Weber, you're never winning a national championship there. I got news for you. It's not well, not happening. a not a D one. But he, my, I but, mean, my, but you but you see my point. It does it doesn't matter if it's D one or not. Like for Jay Hill, he's somebody that wants to win at the oh, highest level. Oh wow! Breaking news out of Major League Baseball: Aaron Judge has agreed to a nine year, three hundred and sixty million dollar contract with the New York Yankees. Wow, sir! Buster only is uh, breaking the news right now. Are you at all surprised by this, Jake? Disappointed. Not surprised. Disappointed, though. I think that the Giants had an opportunity, but clearly, you know, looking at that number, nine years, 360 a year, what does that work out to here? Let's see. Was that 40 a year, I think, right? 360 yeah. yes, divided 40 by nine, million 40 a year. a year. Like, you know, I, I think the Giants, you know, th that's one of my favorite teams, if not my favorite team, and, and I was really hoping they'd get him, but, you know, I, I think that, Unfortunately, the Yankees, they clearly nutted up here. Honestly, like that's what this was. If you remember the story of their relationship with Aaron Judge, it started with a low ball offer last year, you know, which Aaron Judge said, no, I'm going to bet on myself and I'm going to stand in a batting cage before the year and say that I'm going to hit 50. And then you go out and hit uh, a few more than that. And then you get paid. So to me, I, 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 I think it's... This is baseball now. You look at the Phillies with Trey Turner paying a ton of money that way. The Yankees understand what this man did for them. And I applaud them for, for you know, backing up the Brinks truck, if you will. But now let's see what he does. Because, again, the, the, the conversation that now is going to be had is, hey, what is Aaron Judge going to be moving forward? Because I can tell you what he did this past year, he's not going to do every single year. It's just not possible. You know what I mean? Like, this year was a very special year for him. But I think if he can be 70, 80% of that, like if he can be a 40 to 50 home run guy, you know, hit three, 310, you know, be be a 700, 800 OPS guy, you're going to be in a great spot. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think, I think it's a great, a great move. I, I'd have done the same thing. I, I don't know how you can go wrong signing Aaron Judge. I think this is exactly what had to happen. I mean, Brian Cashman got extended yesterday. It'll be interesting to see where the Yankees spend the rest of their money. Jamison Tyone, as some of you may have heard, signed with the Cubs yesterday. That's an arm slot you're going to have to replace. So huge, huge news. Uh, what, a, what an incredible day of news now. Uh, when you look at the, the Jay Hill stuff, now you get all this MLB free agency with Aaron Judge. I, I think your point on Aaron Judge is well taken, and that is that he's not going to ever, I don't think, get even close to doing what he did last year. That was one of the most historic seasons offensively we've ever seen. To get $40 million a year out of the Yankees, it tells you, again, the commitment the Steinbrenner family is still making to winning games. But are will they go out and buy pitching now? 
because you're going to have to be better on the on the bump than you were last year if you want to win. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I think you have to, and I think there's expectations in New York, and I think that uh, the Mets getting Verlander and kind of rounding out their rotation after losing to, Grom to, uh, losing to Grom to the Rangers, like you obviously have, you know, some things you need to take care of here in, in, in pinstripe land, but I think that they will. They will. I, I think that they always go out and buy talent, and I think that, you know, I look around the league and, and I say, hey, this is the cost of doing business. You know, I, I if you want to contend, you got to you gotta have the yes. boys. You got to have. Yes, you do. You have to have the slugger. And more importantly, you have to have pitching. And I think that, you know, you 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 look across the league. The Dodgers, you know, are, are threat out west every single year. And the reason for that is because they retool every single year. And they always go out and get a fresh arm here, a fresh arm there. That makes a difference for them. Yeah, and I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how all of this goes because I think the other thing you have to remember is now you have your your foundation in place. It'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, Glaber Torres. By the way, I think that's a big a big chip that still has to be flipped because also remember Anthony Rizzo is now there on a multi year deal. Um, so you're going to have Rizzo and Judge, your two best offensive players, but you're also going to have to go out and replace guys like Andrew Benintendi, who was a big bat in in August. Yes. He got hurt late in the season, didn't really contribute, but he got you back into the the you know that winning streak. You're going to have to replace important at bats like that. But I mean, your catcher, your first fielder. So you have some really big pieces in place, but you're also going to have to contend with a lot of other people. I mean, you look at Jacob Degrom's move to the Texas Rangers, who also have spent a lot of money. I mean, that is you look at the Philadelphia Phillies, who I mean, yesterday paid Taiwan Walker an incredible amount of money. The Cubs yesterday with Jamison Tyone. The Cody Bellinger move is interesting. Which Cody Bellinger are we getting? Are well, we getting 30, 40 home run Cody Bellinger, or are we getting 20 and 200 average Cody Bellinger? We'll see. I, I, I think that's a really interesting question, and we'll get back to BYU in two minutes here. But I think when you look at Cody Bellinger, he's got to play 150 games. Because he's really playing for his next contract. It's a one-year deal. I want to say it's $17 million for Cody Bellinger. He can be a DH. He's a hell of a center fielder as well, which is a very tough position to fill uh, at Wrigley Field. But if you don't, as the Chicago Cubs, go out and get Dansby Swanson to, to, to really tag team with Bellinger, Tyone's a nice pickup, but again, a guy that's often injured. You don't have the franchise player. In my opinion, I don't believe you have a franchise player on this roster for the Cubs. Yeah. Dansby Swanson can be that guy. But I, I bring all of this up to say this was a no-brainer by the Yankees. You were going to have to overpay to get him away from San Francisco. And if you look at all the reports on the internet and you look at what the, the baseball media in San Francisco, which, by the way, is one of the best baseball towns in this country. Yeah. You look at what the baseball media in San Francisco was reporting. They thought this was done. I think a lot of people thought it was done. I think, yeah, I think they thought they had Aaron Judge. Thanks. But I think, and, I, and I'm not even joking, not tongue-in-cheek, the Tom Brady-Aaron Judge embrace the other night when Tom was coming off the field after leading to, to that historic win for the Bucs, they embraced and had a conversation of sorts I think it was done right at that moment <laughs> because where are the Yankees headquarters? They're not in the Bronx. They're in Tampa. And Aaron Judge lives in Tampa. <laughs> I think Aaron Judge and Tom Brady kind of tipped their hand. Now we think they tipped their hand 
a little bit in that situation. So please, if you're a baseball fan, let's go. Uh, would love to hear from you guys on on baseball this morning. Um, I, I think it's just a huge, huge moment. Yeah. Um, in time, as as you look at at what's going on in sports day, these are the days where you're really thankful to do what we do. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a hell of a day, and I and I think that you know we haven't even we haven't even dipped our toe into like Jazz Warriors tonight or or oh, you no. know, the the other stuff going on. So I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, I mean it's a great day as a sports fan. Yep, and as always, the biggest stories in sports on this show are brought to you by Quick Quack Car Wash. Um, I'm telling you. I love the fact that I have a wash pass. I love the fact that for $22 a month, $21.99, I can wash my car one time or a million times. It's totally up to me. That's the luxury of doing business with a great company like Quick Quack Car Wash. Local entrepreneurs that operate those, those car washes. And when you go to Quick Quack Car Wash, you pull up, you talk to somebody with a smile on their face. They're nice. By the way, the car wash is exceptional. And they give you free vacuums. And they give you free towels. And they give you a free dashboard wipe. Bring the kids because there's lights, colors, colored soap. Like, it's a great experience. Get to Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Uh, let's get some of your comments in here. Um, Heaney to the Rangers. Yeah, I, I saw that on Twitter. I don't know if that's confirmed yet, but absolutely. Jeff Johnson says, Judge shouldn't, uh, shouldn't have gone to a team that has fans that don't boo their own players, LOL. Well, that's always been a thing, right? Um, Boyd Lake says, dang, I thought Tommy Brady had it all planned. Go to San Francisco and ball out. Nah, bro. I don't think so. I'm a man. I think Tom Brady likes being in Tampa. And yeah. I think very clear. It's hard to leave a, a club like the Yankees. If you're Aaron Judge, and the reason, again, if you're just tuning in this morning, the reason that we're talking about Tommy, Tommy, Tommy Brady and, and Aaron Judge is they had that now famous Embrace the other night. <laughs> Tom lives in Tampa, no state income tax. Like, it's beautiful. But it's a good place to live. And the New York Yankees for Aaron Judge take exceptional care of their players. They win. You know they're going to invest in players. I'm telling you, it's really hard to leave a place like that. As a Cub fan, let me tell you, it's really easy to leave a place like Chicago and the Cubs because the Cubs don't invest in winning baseball games. <laughs> and they they don't treat their players really well. That Anthony Rizzo as a Yankee is disgusting to me. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Right? I mean, it, it is. It's one of those things where you're the haves and the have-nots, and it really in baseball has nothing to do with money. And it has to do with how you treat your players. That's pretty much so explanatory. That's a big deal. Absolutely a big deal. Obviously, obviously, uh, that's a huge story. Uh, Josh Lovett says Aaron Judge turned into one testy Mitch who has now missed 269 games over the last couple of years. Wow, okay. Okay. Uh, Jeff Johnson says uh, John Heyman jumping the gun on San Francisco news is hilarious. It is. I am not a John Heyman fan at all. He, nah. Him and I had a run-in on Hunter Pence um, several years ago when Hunter was traded from Philly to San Francisco. And it's just like, he, it, yeah, anyway. He, he's a good reporter. UC Regent Gumby says, hey, guys. What's up, UC Regent Gumby? Um, hey, guys. Bo, Bo says, BYU is garbage. Right. It's a disappointment of a program. Because it's garbage. Why do you think players are leaving BYU and Utah is stealing all of their top recruits because nobody wants to play there? So you're just going to troll, which is fine, because that's completely not true. Um, I think we see flips back and forth between BYU and Utah every single season 
every single year. Recruits, look at the Nakuas. I mean, what are we even talking about, right? I mean, you get Samson and Puka to go and play together at BYU. Like that, that the Fano, the Fano loss is a big one. Spencer was a, is a huge recruit. Yeah. Um, you know, but obviously Logan could have written his ticket in college football. He could have played at any university he wanted to. He had a ton of offers. Um, I mean, Spencer could have played. I think his his number two was Clemson. I want to say is that you know, BYU was his rock solid number one. I was reading yesterday. Tom Luganville had him going to Clemson, if not BYU, and then he winds up at Utah because Logan's going to Utah as well. I would have to believe. So I think to stop with the stop with the nonsense. Come on. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's so funny to me. Um, I look at, let's let's see some of your other comments. You guys have been great this morning, by the way. Uh, Tanner says, I don't think Sataki is insecure, but it could be true because he does care a lot what opposing teams think of him and the team. Maybe that's why he's too nice, but I could be wrong. Well, I can tell you right now that Jay Hill's not too nice. Yeah. Jay Hill does not care about <coughs> dropping 70 on somebody, nor should he, nor should he. At all. The big Mugambo. I don't like the idea of an assistant head coach DC. We need a DC focused solely on being a DC. Well, that's what Jay Hill is. Yeah. Jay Hill. I, I mean, listen, I, there's a lot of responsibilities just being a position coach. Yeah. But then when you bump up to coordinator, the responsibilities grow exponentially. It is not an easy transition to make. And I think when you look at the experience that Jay Hill brings with him, I think he's more than qualified to do that. Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, obviously that was his defense. Yeah. I, I have to believe that Jay Hill's focus is a three technique. Yeah. Multiple three techniques coming into the program. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to – it almost doesn't matter if you run a 4-3 or a 3-4. If you don't have a really good pass rushing three technique, you're not going to thrive. Yeah. That, I mean, that's just the, the reality of the situation. Um, that you have to, in this day and age, you have to win the A, the a gap. You have to win. And by the way, it, I don't mean to talk, you know, football ease. A three technique essentially lines up on the guard's inside shoulder and tries to get through that gap. That's, that's really what it is. So he's trying to get into the A gap, right? So I, I think you have to have that. Aaron Donald's a great example of a disruptive defensive tackle that rushes, rushes the passer. Guys like Indomit and Sue, that's the 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 type of disruption you need in the interior of that D line. Yeah. Because all that does is going to make your, your, your defensive ends, your edges that much better. BYU has not had that under Kalani Sataki in any way, shape or form. So you're going to have to find that. Yeah. And hopefully and, they do, you know, hopefully, and, you know, and hopefully they do. And why? Because if you look at the way Utah plays football, I mean, the Utah Utes absolutely are known for their D-tackles, the low two leleys of the world, but they're also known for their edge, edge rushers, the Rileys. The, I mean, the list is endless, well, right? I think they've had prolific linebacking play for several years now, back-to-back, and I think that, you know, well, um, you know, I, I, I just, look, you, you have to you have to have momentum in recruiting. You just have to. And I think that the problem with Tuiaki also was that he wasn't a great recruiter. He wasn't, and I think that... You know, it just it just felt like you had a double A, you know, D coordinator. With all due respect, not trying to hate on the guy, but but anytime you, you say with all due respect, you're yeah. trying to hate on a guy. Yeah, that's just like you know, just I just it's frustrating it. that B, we always have to talk about BYU being a second class program. Like I wish that I I hope that this Jay Hill thing works out for them because I would love to see a ton of talent coming into this program on the defensive side and make a real difference, an impactful one. Yep, I agree. Brett Larson says, could BYU pull one of the top QBs uh, that are in the portal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I, I think, and 
you know, as we contrast BYU and Utah, um, you look at what BYU is, is from a perception standpoint. If you're a quarterback and you want to go throw the football somewhere, you're going to BYU. I mean, it, it, is, it is almost inarguable that Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall, it, their highest value is not winning games. It's that they showed the world that BYU is going to open up their offense and throw the ball. Yeah, There's no doubt about that. I mean, you look at the ability of BYU to compete offensively most of the season, um, and you look at the fact that they did that without their top two wide receivers, Romney and Puka at times, but you look at the fact that they did this without a tight end, without a prolific tight end, because, again, with all due respect, right. Isaac Rex was a huge disappointment to me this year. I wanted more out of Isaac Rex. I did. And Dallin Holker might be the best example of the, the struggles of tight ends. You know, I mean, you, I wanted more from the tight end position at BYU this year. There's just no doubt about that. Offensively, it was a huge problem. And I think that the struggles of the run game are directly related to your inability to use the tight ends offensively. And I think you have to have that hybrid tight end that can block, but he can also be, get out and be one of your top three wide receivers. He has, you have to have a tight end in today's college football world. Michael Mayer be damned. You have to have a tight end that can really do the job. Dalton Kincaid, Brant Keithy. You have to have a tight end that can really get out and do the job. And I think we absolutely saw at Utah that you can win at the highest levels of college football, throwing the football as your lead receiver, by the way, I mind you, to the tight end. And BYU has not been able to do that in recent times. So I think that's a huge problem. But yeah, I think if you're talking about quarterbacks in the transfer portal, there's absolutely no reason that BYU cannot go out. Um, and, and again, they, we're talking about that in, in terms of, hey, is Jaron coming back or not? But I think regardless of what Jaron does, you need a number two. And I don't think you have your backup quarterback on the roster right now, by the way. Yeah. Um, which is why I think, you know, the, the Jacob Conover situation is such a big deal. Because I think it's incredibly disappointing that you lost Jacob Conover here. Yeah, and you're going to have to go and hunt for talent. Like I, that's what I'm saying. Like I think this first year in the Big Twelve could be a little rocky. It could be a little. It could be not ideal. But I think you know you're going to see that as long as guys like Jay Hill are recruiting, you're, you're going to get to that better position. Yep, I agree. Football at fifty ten of the hour every hour on the Monty Show. We bring you the biggest stories in football, and boy, what a morning for football news. If you're just tuning in, Jay Hill is the new defensive coordinator at BYU. He will be introduced to the football team today uh, down in Provo. Um, I think we'll probably get some clarity on Kelly Papinga as well. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Reports out of Boise. And I agree it's been very quiet, but I've been told that he's already talked to players at BYU. But it's very interesting that Kelly Papinga is not, you know, Kelly Pipping has not been official yet, so it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Obviously, I think you want your DC in place first, but yeah. um, Jay Hill is coming to BYU. He reportedly is going to be paid a million dollars a year to leave Weber State. Come to BYU as a defensive coordinator. Would love your thoughts on that. After you hit the, the thumbs up button and give us a like here on, on the Monty Show, drop a comment. What do you feel about paying Jay Hill a million dollars? What are your biggest concerns? What are you? Why are you excited about Jay Hill? Hit us up on the comments here on the Monty Show on YouTube. I think absolutely one of the other big stories this morning um, is this situation with Deion Sanders at Colorado. Right. You know, Greg Hawkins, God bless you, sir, um, sent me the, the full version again of Deion's speech to the Colorado football team. It is scintillating. It is spectacular. It is everything you want yeah. from a new head football coach 
And now you get word that former Minnesota Vikings head coach and defensive guru, Mike Zimmer, is going to go to Colorado and be the defensive coordinator for Deion Sanders at Colorado. Yeah. So wait, let me get this right. Mike Zimmer is coming. Oh, by the way, how about Tim Brewster? The former the former head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers also going to Colorado, as well as Sean Lewis going to, to Colorado. Oh, by the way, did I mention Willie Taggart going to Colorado? You want to talk about building a staff. Yeah, dude. For everybody the other morning that was mocking Prime as a guy that was a gimmick, I got news for you. This dude is not a gimmick. He is a respected football coach that you're going to get Brewster, Zimmer, Taggart, Lewis. I feel like nobody knows who Willie Taggart Woo. is. Man, well, you need to know that name. Willie Taggart's a guy that's had a lot of failure in football as a head coach. Right? And I, I don't think there, I don't think there's any embarrassment on that. Um, I think that when you look at Willie Taggart and you look at his resume, I think he is incredibly ac accomplished. Obviously, when you look at the fact that he has been at Stanford as the running back coach, that he's been the head coach at Western Kentucky, South Florida, Oregon for one disastrous year before he went to Florida State for two disastrous years. Yeah. Before now going to Florida Atlantic. But he has been a prolific recruiter. He's been an excellent assistant coach. I think he's a great hire. I think Willie Taggart is the guy that I would hire right now. Well, and I think, again, the reason that Colorado was the selection and you're seeing it playing out with these hires. The reason it was a selection for Dion is because that program is terrible or was terrible. And I think you have to, like when you're deciding which job you're going to take, you have to find a program that's that hasn't had much success so that when it does have success, you and your boys are the reason that they look to for that success. And that allows you to take that next step. And I look yeah. at I look at Dion, and I think you made a great choice. That speech is scintillating. You should go and find it, and you should watch it to understand what Prime is really like as a head coach. And and I think when I when I look at guys like Willie Taggart, um, you know that's a guy that has failed as a head coach multiple times, but I think would be a phenomenal OC or DC. I think he'd be a phenomenal uh, guy in that respect. And that to me is what Prime's trying to do here. Just like Kalani, you have to build a quality staff. You have to have across the board accountability and be on the same page about culture. By the way, Sean Lewis was hired as Deion Sanders' offensive coordinator. Is this guy any good? Head coach at Kent State, OC and quarterbacks at Syracuse before getting hired by Kent State, then Bowling Green, Eastern Illinois, Nebraska, Akron, he played football at Wisconsin. Sean Lewis is absolutely a massive hire as the offensive coordinator. And then you're going to get Mike Zimmer as the defensive coordinator. Hey, by the way, about that uh, rivalry with, with Utah and Colorado. Yep. Holy cow. What a transformative day. And then you throw on top of that this news with Tim Hill with, with, with leaving. I, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable. I said Tim Hill, Jay Hill, uh, leaving Weber State to go to BYU. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Like, it is. Yeah, and, and again, I think, you know, as, as unbelievable. football fans and as folks who watch this show, like, I just hope you guys are starting to understand how this process works because 
Guys aren't just looking to fill slots. It has to be the right guy in the right seat on 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 the correct bus, as Saban always says. And I think that that's what Kalani's doing. That's what Prime is doing. I honest to God think that that's what Wit has had to do over the years, right? You've had to keep the largely the same staff together, but you know there's been some patchworking that's done. So to me, again, I'm gonna keep saying it. Great, Zimmer, Jay Hill, you know, Willie Tagger, awesome, you got all the names, right? Nobody gives a damn no. if you're not winning football games. Nope, nobody gives a damn. By the way, uh, one other uh, football-related story for you. How about uh, Odell Beckham Jr.? Yeah. Goes and visits with the Dallas Cowboys for the last couple of days and then essentially failed his physical. Um, all reports out of Dallas say that Odell Beckham Jr.'s knee is not ready to play football and that there there is still structural issues on that ACL repair, which means he's just not done with his rehab, which is surprising because it is December. He had that surgery back in late February, if I remember right. And he's still not ready to play football. It, but again, this tells you that when you tear an ACL, you want to be on a team because it allows you to rehab as a football player on a football team. And it makes you wonder how strict has Odell Beckham Jr.'s rehab been because the Dallas Cowboys have not signed Odell Beckham Jr. and nobody has signed yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. Are you surprised by that? Well, I mean, now I'm not surprised. Now that we know that the ACL is not ready to go, I mean, you can't, you're not going to sign a free agent wide receiver who is supposed to be this weapon for you who is not ready to go. I mean, it's uh, great. Again, it's yeah. the car analogy. Awesome that you have a Ferrari, but if there's no gas in it, what good is it? Like that's like that's what Odell is right now. Yeah, and Jerry Jones said, "Hey, if you're if you're not if you're not ready to help us right now, we're not going to sign you. Why don't you go home?" Uh, and enjoy some Papa Murphy's pizza. Papa Murphy's presents how to change the way you pizza. Step one, carefully knead dough. Step two, artfully spread sauce. Step three, add fresh mozzarella and assemble toppings. Step four, realize we already did all that for you. So all you have to do is bake it. For a limited time only, get the hog heaven pizza with Canadian bacon, ground sausage, and crispy bacon. Papa Murphy's. Change the way you pizza. Papa Murphy's Pizza presents football at 50, 10 of the hour, every hour. My chair wants to roll away today. Yeah, it's kind of annoying, isn't it? I don't know. Why today of all days does my chair want to roll away? Uh, the uh, friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza bring you football at 50, 10 of the hour, every hour. I'm telling you, the key to good pizza at Papa Murphy's is just order any pizza because it's amazing. But order my pizza. Traditional crust, double barbecue sauce, cheese, onion mix, mushrooms, a little bit of pineapple, cheese, green onions. You're good to go. Enjoy the game. Because I'm telling you, it's the best pizza you've ever had. Bada boom, bada bing. Bada boom, bada bing. It's the best pizza you ever had. Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you use the promo code MONTY25. It is 7 o'clock on the Monty Show. What a huge morning of sports. As always, this fine program. Program. I feel like that's a thing now. People in the comments on YouTube uh, for the last week have all been saying program. Program. Right, program. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, what a big day of news presented by The Advocates. Uh, make sure you find them online, theadvocates.com. And I, I, I just will continue to say, The Advocates are exactly who you want fighting for you when you've been in a wreck. And obviously, this time of year, car accidents go up uh, with road conditions and people not slowing down. Um, that's 
irresponsible driving. That's reckless driving. That's not your fault that they can't slow down and they hit you. When they do hit you, you need to call the advocates. Uh, get online. You can chat with them. The best part about the advocates website at theadvocates.com. There's a little box that says chat with a lawyer now. Um, there's uh, obviously a button that says free consultation because you never pay for your consultation. There are no retainers at, at the advocates because you don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. Get it right now. Theadvocates.com, by the way, for all our listeners in Phoenix, they have a brand new Arizona office uh, for everybody in Idaho all around. Get to the advocates, theadvocates.com. Jay Hill is uh, reportedly, and it should be official today, the new defensive coordinator at BYU on a deal that will pay Jay Hill $1 million a year at BYU uh, to be the defensive coordinator. He replaces the downtrodden Elisa Tuiaki. I don't think there's any other way to spin this, Jake, other than to say that this is a huge step up for BYU. And I think this is exactly the shot in the arm that this program needed yeah. uh, going into the Big 12. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, the more I think about this move, the more I think like there's more professionalism in the, in the program now. There's more, there's just a new, <coughs> excuse me, there's a new standard. There's a new sort of energy and breath of fresh air uh, on the defense. And I think, you know, while all those may sound cliche and while all those are like that corny sports verbiage that we all hear, you know, breath of fresh air, new blood in the program. Like it really does matter if you really think about it. Like you have turnover every single year in college football. Guys like Harris Lachance, you know, guys like Max Tooley, like inevitably those names that you know in, in college football programs are not going to be there. Right. And I think what's important is knowing that, okay, the defensive coordinator we hire is going to be there now obviously there's this conversation about how long jay hill is going to have this position and everything like that but i think if you're a byu fan right now that's got to be sort of a back burner thing not to say we're going to forget about it or not talk about it but i don't think it's what should be front and center what should be front and center is the big 12 that's what should be front and center hey we're going into a new conference a p5 conference and we have a legitimate chance to get into the college football playoff just as simple as that. Can't say it any simpler than that. You have a yellow brick road to get to the college football playoff now. And the only question is going to be, what are you gonna what are you gonna do to make that happen? What how far and how much are you willing to sacrifice to get that job done? Because losing defensive end recruits, losing any kind of recruit is never good for your for your program. And so to me, it's like, okay, great. You had your friend as defensive coordinator. We've moved on from that now. Now you get an actual cold-blooded killer of a defensive coordinator, and we're, we're in a much better spot now. And that, to me, is what is so exciting about this. Not even that Jay Hill had all the success or that he's so accomplished, but that there's this professionalism. There's a standard now that I hope is really instituted into the culture. Well, I, I think it has to be. I mean, culture has been such a problem over the last, really, calendar year at BYU. You had such a disastrous season this year. And I don't think that's overstating it. I think this this past season for football at BYU was a disaster. Frankly, the bar at BYU football is much higher than what we saw this year. You expect a higher level of performance in all three phases than you got this year. There was no doubt that you were going to have to make changes. It was simply a matter of what changes were you willing to make? That's really the question that, that I think I had most about Kalani Sitaki when it came to hiring a defensive coordinator. It is why there were so many questions about Sean Nua. And again, if you're just tuning in this morning, the details that we were able to gather on Sean Nua were that 
there was no announcement because administration at BYU has been hesitant uh, to hire Sean Nua as a coordinator because he is not actively a member of the church and he has not had a Temple recommend. And I think that's something that BYU, whether it's 1902 or you know 2022, BYU wants their highest profile athletic employees to have membership. They want them to be active members with the LDS church in good standing. And certainly you cannot say that with Sean Nua. Now, I think if he comes in as a defensive line coach, okay, I can see that happening. Is there awkwardness there? I don't think there would be. I think Sean Nua knows that the, the, the path has been beaten to being a head coach through BYU. I mean, you can absolutely, as an assistant, go on to do great things once you come to Provo. Thanks. But the biggest question is, was it a mistake by BYU to not hire Sean Nua and to hire Jay Hill and then turn around and pay Jay Hill a million dollars? Jay Hill's going to make a million dollars a year by some reports to be the defensive coordinator at BYU. But I can't say that that's a mistake. I think paying Jay Hill that money was the requirement. Well, and it's a statement. It's a, it's a statement of how committed you are to, to getting a, uh, um, a, a very much ready and polished talent to be your defensive coordinator. You know, and, and I think that that's kind of what stands out to me. Like, hey, are you balling on a budget or are you willing to really invest? Much like the Yankees, right? Are you, are you willing to pony up the cash and get what you want or are you going to go halfway? And I think BYU went full send on this thing. I think that they, they knew that they needed a much better situation on defense. I think they understand that you cannot continue to lose talent. You cannot continue to get embarrassed by Oregon. You cannot continue to, to be unable to stop the Michael Mayers of the world in college football. And that's to me what this is about because now once Jay Hill is introduced and, and the ball gets rolling here, I'm telling you, pay attention to BYU's media department. I know we've talked about it a ton on this show, but I really think they give you insight into like what they're focused on in the big Absolutely. picture. You know what I mean? And, yep. and it's always going to be positive. It's always going to be we're the best. But notice what they're focusing on. Are we making videos on Jay Hill? Are we making videos on defensive guys? Are we making videos on on you know the Jaron Halls of the world? Like what are we making videos on? That gives you insight into what they're trying to do. Yep. College football talk, including BYU Cougar talk, is brought to you by Barbecue Pit Stop on the Monty Show. It is the holiday season. You're buying gifts for your dad, your brother, your friends. BBQPitStop.com. No matter where you catch this show, you can find them online at Barbecue Pit Stop. It's BBQPitStop.com. So easy to order. And by the way, even if you are within driving distance of their five great Utah locations from Logan and Layton down through Murray, Lehigh, and St. George, go in, see the awesome stores. I mean, the store in Logan is, I don't even know how you describe it. It is, it is barbecue smoker heaven. Um, and you know when you hear the, the words barbecue pit stop, that's synonymous with elite equipment. You're getting the best, whether it is a full line of Traeger smokers, whether it is a big green egg, a Yoder, a Camp Chef, a pizza oven, you know they have the best equipment. But you might not know that they have the best talent as well, whether it is the, the people who staff their meat counters, whether it is the people that you know sell you your equipment, recommend, hey, you need a, hey man, I'm making a, a brisket for Christmas dinner. What's the right rub for that? Hey, what's the right technique to make sure that I get a really nice, moist brisket, that I get some really good burn ends? 
that my ribs are, are, are fall off the bone. They have all that expertise as well, whether you chat with them on their website or whether you walk into one of their five stores in Logan, Layton, Murray, Lehigh, and St. George, your only choice is Barbecue Pit Stop, who presents college football talk on the Monty Show. Obviously, you know, I, I'm going to tell you the unvarnished truth about BYU, I, I, no matter what their move is. This Jay Hill thing is nothing short of sensational. I, I, I don't even know how to spin it uh, beyond the fact that it is sensational. This is spectacular. This is, as a BYU fan, this is everything you want. As a Utah fan, you should be shaking in your boots this morning. Do you think there's any danger in being too positive or too optimistic I don't. about it? I don't. I really don't. I think that when you look at, when you look at, um, you know, when you look at at Jay Hill, or you you look at exactly what he means to the program, yeah. and you look at his ability to recruit. I mean, because what is Jay Hill? Jay Hill's a recruiter. Jay Hill's a phenomenal defensive mind. There's no doubt about that. I mean, like the things that have ailed this team on the defensive side of the football since Kalani Sataki got the job, those things all just went away right now. Because you're going to backfill talent. Again, I think their single biggest need at BYU on defense is is probably three to four three-technique D linemen. Yeah. You got to have that. And Jake, I think I think that absolutely went away. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that with, with Jay Hill, like again, as I keep saying, I really do think that they're going to roll out a three-four. I, I really think that. And the reason I think that is because BYU's defense has been slow methodical play within a shell defense, right? Where you typically have two high safeties, four down linemen, and then depending on the play and, and you know, the scheme, your linebackers are doing what your linebackers are doing, right? But most of the time, we can all agree that this team was notorious for, you know, rush three, drop eight type deal, right? That's what, that's what this was. And I don't think that that's what uh, a three, four uh, change is going to do. In my opinion, if you're going to change to a 3-4, if you're really going to take that step and be that aggressive with it, yeah, you're right. You do need to go and get good defensive line talent who can play the three technique, who can bust out double teams, who can really be chaos creators on the line of scrimmage. And even if, you know, even if you're not having your best game, you're still limiting the other team to, you know, 70, 80 yards on the ground. You're not giving up the 150, 170 yards on the ground. You know, even if you're having a bad game on the trenches, you're because you're playing the three four and you've got tremendous speed at the linebacking position, you can cover the flat with your with your hybrid defensive end outside linebacker guy. Like that's what we're talking about with this defense. And and I, I I'm so glad that that it looks like that's the direction it's gonna go because it was very frustrating for me at least, to jump on this show the whole season and talk about how East Carolina, Liberty, Oregon, Notre Dame threw it all over you. Like, it was frustrating because it didn't need to be that way. There were simple things that could have been changed. And that's why I say that the thing for me that's so exciting about Jay Hill is that it very much feels like now you have, like, a professional doing what he's supposed to be doing. When, you know, again, with all due respect to Tuiaki, felt like you were in over your head. Now it's like, oh, we have a killer as a defensive coordinator, and he's going to go and stock that defense with the talent he knows he needs to do what he wants to do on the field. And that, to me, is very exciting. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting that, that yeah, you bring that up. I think it's, you know, the other thing that comes to mind is, you know, like I, I look at Pied Piper's comment. You know, is there any chance Jay can convince the Thanos uh, to stay at at BYU? I, I probably not. Spencer and Logan, I, I think, are probably a package deal. Spencer was committed 
um, a firm done deal at BYU and now he's flipped his commit uh, to Utah. And I have to think that Logan, who's gone through so much since he, he signed at BYU, I have to think that Logan is going to wind up at Utah as well. And I, I was texting with Logan last night. Uh, we are trying to get him on the show to talk about this situation. Um, and he has said he will do the show. It's just a matter of what day works for him. But I think that's a, that's a huge deal. And again, I just need to know why. That's, I yeah. mean, that's the thing for well, me. Well, it's what matters. You know, the why is always what matters in life. This is why. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a huge question. I think, I agree with you. The why is always what you need like to know. Like, is, is the why, is it, so a couple of examples. Not, I, I don't know any of this to be fact, just, just giving off the top of my head examples of why someone might decommit and not only decommit, but flip the commitment to the youths. So is it, is the why the culture change? Is the why the struggles in the program this year? Is the why you didn't believe that that BYU is the best place to get you to the league? Which, by the way, I had 100% respect as a defensive player. I'd be going to Utah, too, with all due respect to BYU and Jay Hill, apparently. But, like, I look at this situation and I say, hey, kids are going to do what's best for them, and there's nothing wrong with that. But absolutely, you have to understand when you're at BYU as a coach, like Kalani, Jay Hill, all these guys who are who are working within the structure of BYU and what they have to offer, you got to understand that the tolerance for BS inside of your program is very little because of what it means to go to BYU because of like the Sean Nua thing, not, not having a temple recommend, not being right. active in the church. Like, so when you have these extra steps and again, not excuses, just reality. That's what we do on this show. We talk reality. We talk, you know, truths. The truth is, is that, there are things that you have to deal with at BYU that you have to conform to that kids don't need to conform to at other schools. And so my point is, is that this past year when Elisa Tuiaki and the defense are doing really bad things and you've got turmoil and you've got issues and you've got drama for a kid like this, why would I want to step into that? Even if you are making changes, why yeah. would I not just want to go to Utah who, who is going to play and most likely win the Rose Bowl in my opinion why would I not go to that situation? That's why I think kids are transferring. Well, and I think when you look at, you know, Spencer and Logan Fano, I think specifically, I mean, there are a lot of challenges um, in keeping brothers together. You know, I, again, I just go back to the Nakua's. Like, yeah, you look at Samson and, and Puka, they wanted to play football together. And one was at Oregon, one was at Utah, and they both wound up at BYU. This is not uncommon. I will again say, and maybe this is just my opinion and maybe I'm naive, I don't believe there's any panic button in any of these transfers. It sucks to lose Spencer and Logan Fano. There's, there's, real. there's no way to spin that. Yeah. That's a huge loss, right? I mean, Logan is a prolific edge rusher. That's what you need, right? Well, we're going to find out how prolific they are at, at, at Utah. And can you blame Logan for transferring? Well, one, it's his brother, so no, I can't blame him. But two, you want to be a, an NFL player? You go to Utah to play defense. Yeah. Maybe Jay Hill changes that belief, that perception, that reality, because it's really not even an opinion. If you're a guy that has aspirations of being an NFL player on the defensive side of the ball, are you going to BYU or are you going to Utah? I'm going to Utah. Thanks. Right? I'm, I, I am. Outside of guys like Warner and Van Oy, Brigham, like I am, I mean, the, the laundry list of guys, the Rose of the world, the Rileys of the world, like the Lotuleles of the world, the Bartons of the world. Like I mean, the list is endless of guys 
that are in the NFL. And a lot of those guys have hardware too. Like there's no, there's no fault here with Logan, Fano, or Spencer. Nah. Uh, I, like they're just making it's important, decisions. It's important for BYU to know why though. And, and yes. obviously oh, they, they know do. why. They but, do. But that's Absolutely. Why that's why, you know, on the show, we're so fascinated to know why and, and to get some insight on the situation because I really do think, depending on, on, on what they say about it, right, whenever they do come on the show, it, it really sheds light on perspective because yes. that's the big thing here. Like, like, we, like, like, you may believe one thing. I may believe, may believe another thing as to why the Fanos left. Like, great, but until you know their perspective because they're that dude, it doesn't really matter, and that's what I'm saying. Like, hopefully, Jay Hill can come in here and and set a standard and set a bar. And I really hope that bar is is a fast moving, high speed, dynamic three four defense that that does things that this BYU program has not seen in a really long time. And if that's the case, then that will allow you to start competing with the Utes, but it's unrealistic to sit here and be like, oh yeah, somebody who wants to go to the league as a, as a, as a DB or any type of defensive position, you're not going to BYU yeah. with all due respect. You're just not right now. You're not right now. You're not. Hey, yeah. real quick, before we get to your comments, you guys are next. We've done a lot of talking this morning. We love your, your thoughts and feelings. Your comments are next. Uh, breaking news out of major league baseball. Aaron judge has agreed to a nine year $360 million deal to return to the New York Yankees. A little uh, color coming out on that. The backstory is uh, that Aaron Judge actually made this decision in San Diego. San Diego. He flew to the whale's vagina. Yes. Um, to choose between the Padres, Giants, and Yankees. And the Padres were supposedly, while late to the party, very much a player for Aaron Judge's services. And then he called the Yankees. And he said, hey, here's where I'm at. And the Yankees said, okay, how about we do nine for 360? And he said, done. Boom. So he got his offers from the Giants. And there, there was something, and what this leads me to believe, and I, having worked around the Giants for several years, I, I'm shocked by this, but something was wrong with the offer in San Francisco. It was either years, dollars, what have you. Well, I'm guessing it was dollars. That, that would be my guess, just because the Yankees is very clear. Because if you, if you look at the, the, the course of events, the Yankees came in last year at $280 million. I don't remember the years, but that was the number, $280 million, which, again, is just a ridiculous offer just unto itself. It's insulting. But, but for, for, for Aaron Judge, like, dude knew that if he went out and had a historic season, that he was going to be able to, to essentially double that offer. And I commend him for that. And I think... When you look at where the offer from the Yankees started and where they're at now, I think they began to understand, hey, this guy does believe in himself. This guy went out, and I think it was he hit 310, 62 home runs. Like, I think he was in the nines for OPS, like just a historic season, and now he's getting paid. And so for the Yankees, it's very simple. Hey, are we going to renew Cashman? Yep, we're going to renew Cashman yesterday. Great. Judge calls Cashman. Hey, this is where I'm at with these two teams. Take it or leave it. And they took it, and that's as simple as it is in baseball. And by the way, I'd also say, hey, this is a fully guaranteed contract. So now you're locked in for nine years. How many of those years are you going to be in the World Series? It's the only question that remains. Are you going to get, I would say if you got three years in the World Series, you're living well. Three years in the World Series, six of those years in the postseason. Three of those years maybe are crap. Well, it'll be interesting because the, the only other deal that the San Francisco Giants have done is Mitch Hanniger. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out and where they reallocate the Aaron Judge money. But a huge morning of news um, here on the Monty Show. Of course, all of our breaking news is presented by Quick Quack Car Wash. Make sure you uh, get to Quick Quack Car Wash, get your wash pass, and while you're doing that, tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. All right, enough of us, more of you. Uh, let's get your thoughts on, on BYU. Certainly, if you want to mix in some Aaron Judge this morning, happy to hear about it. Uh, you know, we're huge baseball fans on the show. Tanner Plummer says, I'm with Jake. There's a danger in being too positive. This isn't a guarantee that Hill's going to make the defense better stop. Well, I that, think wait, so wait, wait, that's wait. not what I said. You just said that Jay Hill's not going to make the defense better. Yeah, like, that's that's the said. BYU fandom that is that is plaguing this program. Yeah, so I want to be clear on that's, what I was saying on. with that, though. Like, I want to I want to be really clear. So what I the reason I asked that question is because I do think in sports, generally speaking, big picture stuff, there is danger in being too positive. Oh, we signed LeBron. That means we're winning the NBA Finals. Championship. Right? Like, there's danger in that. But there, but by, by no means am I saying that there's danger in saying Jay Hill made the defense better. There's no question this defense is going to be better. The only question that remains is, one, there's two questions. One, what kind of talent can he go and get in the portal and just in That's general right. recruiting? That's right. But then, two, what can he do with that talent in terms of making the defense better? I mean, well, hell, he put guys in the NFL from Weber State. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the guy's prolific. The, guy, yeah. the guy's talented. He's prolific. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Tanner, I'm not, I'm not even hating on the comment, but I just want to be really clear. When I ask that question, I don't mean, hey, is there is there danger in saying Jay Hill is going to make this defense better? That's, that's not even a doubt. All I was saying with that is, is that we shouldn't say, hey, Jay Hill's our DC, we're going to the college football playoff. You can't be saying stuff like that. But no. you, but he's definitely going to make the defense better. Uh, Luis Capasso. Good morning, Luis. Where you been, dude? Uh, Hill will be there until they hire him as the head coach when they can, Sataki, after they fail their first year in the Big 12. You're not firing Kalani yeah. after one year in the works, Big 12. Dude. It's just not I how mean, it the, works. the hill is so steep. to climb. If they go Owen, but they're not going to. If they... If they Get bull eligible. Kalani Sataki had a wonderful year, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Greg Romano says, now it's the time to get a new offensive coordinator, Paul Peterson. I think I think Aaron Roderick's got another year. A-Rod A has done, he, not spectacular, but a good job. You're not, I, I don't believe that you need to he replace him. He hasn't done a great enough don't. job not to be talked about, but he also hasn't done a bad enough job to fire him right now, in my opinion. I, I mean, I, 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 and the thing is, my only problem with that, like with the one year thing, is you're right now you're in that window where the the team you put together here in the coaching staff has to be here the next three years, in my opinion, has because to. you're going into the Big Twelve. Has so to. if you don't replace him now, he's going to be here another three years, in my well, opinion. Well, and that's the one thing that worries you about Jay Hill because Jay Hill, I, it's mind numbing, and we're going to ask to have him on, by the way, but it's mind numbing that Jay Hill is not a a P five head coach right yeah. now. It, I I don't understand it. I don't get it. And maybe I don't know Jay Hill personally. Um, we've had him on on the show back at the Mighty 1320K Fan. The sports leader. Because Kyle Gunther and Jay Hill have a great relationship. Um, but I don't know why he's not a head coach. I don't. And I would rather be the defensive coordinator at BYU than the head coach at, at UNLV. Let's be 100%, honest about it, right? 100%. But he also should be in the mix. He should be in for really good jobs. Uh, Provo Cougar fan says, BYU can use the $1.4 million from the Notre Dame game and the two point two coming from the canceled Tennessee game to help pay for the coaches. But I don't think that's what it is. This Sean Nua thing is a, is a big talking point. Yeah. 
if my sources are correct and Sean Nua was not hired as a defensive coordinator because he's not an active member of the LDS church and thereby extension doesn't have a temple recommend. Oh, that's a problem. That is a problem. Yeah. Because we've always heard, Hey, to be a head coach of a major sport, football, basketball, you have to be LDS. Right. And you have nobody to be a had member. a problem with that. Nobody had a problem with that. As it should be. Exactly yeah, right. As it should be. Yeah. There's no reason, in my opinion, and again, I'm not LDS, and I understand that culturally I am a, a, a clearly a step behind. There's no reason that your coordinators need to be LDS, <coughs> in my opinion. That doesn't mean a thing. Yeah. And I'm a huge supporter, as you know, of the honor code. I'm a huge supporter of the ap- academics. I'm a huge supporter of the culture. I'm a huge supporter of the ecosystem on the uh, on the Provo campus, 100%. I don't understand why your coordinators have to be LDS. Because yeah. that's the message you're sending to me. Oh, 100%, because you, yeah. you hired a guy in Jay Hill who's LDS. You have a guy in A-Rod who's LDS. Obviously, Kalani's LDS. You're sending the message that to be a coordinator in BYU football, you have to be a, a, a member of the church in good standing and have a temple recommend. And it's the old saying, right? From from Bronco, football's fifth. It's not first, well, and and I think that, ding. And, and and you know, I'm, all jokes aside, I'm not even being tongue in cheek. Like I think it's the truth. I think that BYU is is you know committed, whether you agree or disagree, rightly, wrongly, whatever. They're committed to the faith, obviously, and I think that it that's where the the you know buddy who wants to say the church gets in the way. Okay, play that card today. If you want to play that card, fine. But but I just think that. The church is not the reason they are not winning football games. And and I don't want to hear that today. I don't want to hear, well, 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 the church got in the way, right? The 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 card carrying rule got in the way. The the honor code got in the way. Like these different things got in the way. Because that's just not true. What got in the way is your 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 coaching staff being mediocre. Like I'm sitting here having a conversation with a guy. Excuse my rudeness for texting. Yeah, that's fine. And he's like, Oh, you don't have to have a temple recommend to be a coordinator. Well, apparently you do. Apparently you do. Yeah, you, and that's the problem. It, it may not be on paper anywhere, but tell me again how you don't have to be a a a a, a <clears throat> member of the church in good standing <clears throat> to be a coordinator or a head coach at BYU. How it works, isn't that how it works in business, though? A it lot is. of the time, right? It, like, well, like perception's that, that reality, though. Perception's reality. One, but two, a lot of times rules and standards may not be on paper, so there may not be some some piece of paper in a filing cabinet that says you need to be a card-carrying member to be a, a, a coordinator, but if that's the standard, if that's the culture, then yeah. that is the standard well, of the culture. and unwritten rules always carry more sway than what's on paper. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about and, that. And, that. And maybe, and by the way, and I'm just I'm just throwing this out there, don't know this to be true, what if Kalani is, is what if Kalani said, hey, that's something for me. I, I need that in whoever my coordinators are going to be. But also, also, let's be honest. Jay Hill's a better hire as your defensive coordinator. Now, I, I, I was told earlier or later last week on Friday, if you go back and watch that show, it was like fluid during the show that Sean Nua had been offered the job. And this may not carry any weight to anybody, but I happened to talk to a high school football coach in Los Angeles last night who was saying, hey, Sean New is telling people he was offered the job at BYU. Right. So what does that tell you? Well, let's put the dots together. And what it tells me is, yeah, he was offered the job from Kalani Sitaki. And we were also told that Kalani was fighting for Sean Nua. Mm-hmm. And that means that Jay Hill, who I think was coming the entire time, there's no doubt about it, 
now that Jay Hill was going to be the assistant head coach, like the number two, and he was going to run special teams. And Sean Nua would have been the defensive coordinator. Yeah. I think this is a good hire. And I think if you can get Sean Nua to be a line coach, good night. Now yeah, it's unequivocally a, a win. Yeah, you're in a good place. Uh, Richard McDonald says, BYU should hire Bobby Frescue uh, for the offense from Sac State. Isn't he a quarterback coach at Sac State? I think. Um, he's a great coach, and they whipped Weber's butt this year. Former Wyoming, uh, do you mean WAC champion at QB? Awesome guy and friends with Tom Homo. I mean, we don't hire friends at Tom Homo. Yeah. The offense is not the problem at BYU. Why is this an obsession? And hey, if you're a BYU fan, please enlighten me on this. Why is this an obsession? Because this offense was not bad this year. You're, 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 you know what your problem on offense is? Your strength and conditioning program is your problem on offense. Because you haven't been able to keep your best talent on the field and healthy. The fact that Cody Epps is out for the year killed this team. It wasn't Puka's injuries. It wasn't Gunner's injuries that essentially kept him off the field the entire year. It was Cody Epps. Yeah. The breakout superstar of this offense goes out for the year. I mean, how many guys do you want to throw the football to? Well, and I also think, you know, to be fair, in my opinion, Chase I think Roberts, there's, a, there's Keanu Hill. Like, there's Keanu a lot of there's a lot of guys who, who yeah, had injuries. There's no question about it. And I think the strength and conditioning staff needs to be fired and rehired. Like, there needs to be a a, a total yes. revamp there. But but in my opinion, the offense does need some work. But they definitely weren't a problem. They need they need they need to be able to run the f football. And like, they need to figure on. out. I want to know why Barrington transferred. Yeah, Again. I want to know. Why Hello. Uh, BYU had to make big moves to see, uh, seeing the writing on the wall with the other uh, fan OD committing and seeing him go to Utah was a slap in the face. That's not why they hired Jay Hill. Yeah. I mean, they've known about Fano for several weeks. You, dude, I hope people understand this. This has nothing to do with those two kids going to Utah. This has been in the works for months. Yeah. Like, you don't. You don't fire your DC, hire another one, be in the works with 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 new SC. Like you don't do all this stuff in a matter of a week. This has been working for a while. Yes, absolutely, it has. Uh, Jeremy Severe, good morning. Jay Hill sent players to the NFL from Weber, not just scrub talent, contributing NFL talent. Did that's what I'm saying. I agree. Uh, the B Big Twelve had 9.4 million viewers for the Big Twelve championship game. Well, I think you also start looking at you know. You, you start looking at some other numbers. Look at these numbers right here. And let me get that comment off the screen. Hello. Hello. Go away, Mr. Comment. Hello. Hello. Go away, Mr. Banner. <laughs> this is a problem right here. This is a problem. SEC, LSU, and Georgia. 10.894 million viewers. Big 10. Purdue and Michigan. 10.7 million viewers. Right. The Big 12, K-State and TCU, two low-level, small programs. Manhattan, Kansas. Nationally speaking, yeah. In the Big 12, yeah. Manhattan, Kansas, and granted, TCU, Dallas, Fort Worth, put up 9.4 million views on television. The Pac-12 broke an all-time record and put up 5.9 million viewers. <laughs> Bro, that's a problem. That's a problem. And then Mark Carlin wants to come out, AD at Utah, wants to come out and say, we're not leaving the Pac-12. Yeah, my ass, you're not leaving the Pac-12. Good luck, dude. This is embarrassing. This is exactly what you don't want to see. 
I get it. Good luck. You broke a bunch of records, right? Hey, wow. Great performance. Wow. Record-setting attendance, 61,000 yeah. at Allegiant. Great. Neat. Right? The problem is, and what no one wants to say, including buddy Mark Harland, is that SC's gone. UCLA is most likely gone. So who's it going to be this time? Is it going to be Utah, Colorado? Is Colorado and Prime going to draw that kind of viewership? Maybe. Maybe. Are you going to double your viewership? Come on, dude. Come That's on. tough. And this is and this is why I say like you can want you can go back through the history of the show last month and and see all the conversation we've had about George Klyovkov and in that conference leadership. This is the perfect example. We're going to celebrate breaking records, but ignore the fact that you're less than half of what the other conferences are doing. Come on. That's rough, dude. Come on, man. Monty in the Morning presented by The Advocates. Find them online at theadvocates.com. If you've been injured in a car accident, even if it wasn't your fault, you still have to deal with the consequences like overdue medical bills, car repairs, and worse, insurance companies that try their hardest not to pay their fair share. No need to worry, though. The Advocates are here to help. Absolutely. The advocates are here to help. Uh, find them online at theadvocates.com. No matter where you are, they are ready to serve you. And by the way, you don't even have to call them. You can chat with an attorney online right now at theadvocates.com. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that this Jay Hill news uh, is is the biggest story in Utah sports this morning. I mean, the and, and if you're just tuning back in this morning, I think the foundational change uh, that the hiring of, of Jay Hill signals, one, from a financial standpoint, you made an immense commitment to Jay Hill of a million dollars a year, reportedly. Yeah. Um, Jay Hill is scheduled to meet with the football team today. Today! Today! Do we hear about Kelly Papinga today? Yeah, if, I think so. If you have Jay Hill and Kelly Papinga, that's, that's really good. Facts. If you have Jay Hill, Kelly Papinga, and Sean Nua, which, by the way, some people say Sean Nua is still coming as a D-line coach. We'll find out. Um, that's three of the best recruiters in the Western United States. Yeah. I mean, that is unbelievable. Well, you, see, you see what's happening with, with Prime in Colorado, right? All the talent he's getting on his staff. And the more and more I, I watch things like this go down, the more and more I feel like people just want to be part of a good team. They want yeah, to be they part want to of, win. They want to, well, yeah, they want to win because that's why you play the game. You want to win. But I think... You know, like with coaching, especially at the college level, you're evaluating opportunities like this Jay Hill situation. Perfect example. Hey, I, I, I'm putting guys in the league from Weber, right? I'm 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 doing all this winning. I think what did you say it was 69 and 33. Like yes. you're 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 do, you're dominating. Your program is doing everything you'd want it to do, but you're gonna leave that to get to the next level. And I commend him for that. And I think that that uh, consideration for all these guys is, hey, who else is there? Who else is on the team? Is it, am I like, am I going to be a defensive coordinator and then have to patchwork together a staff? Or did you get Sean Nua, right? Did you get Pop? Did you get, you know, these other guys that, that are going to come in and help supplement yeah. what we're trying to do? So that's why I think it really matters that, like, I, again, I don't know if they're going to get Nua or not. I, I don't know. But, but what I do know is if you do get Nua, that really bolsters what you're trying to do. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, let's see. Ron Nolan says, why the heck should a Utah fan be shaking in their boots? Do I really have to explain that? It's Jay Hill. Jay Hill, who's a Utah Ute. Yeah. Played at Utah, coached at Utah, went to Weber, broke records, set history, and now he's defensive coordinator at BYU. I'm going to say this again. He was one of the top recruiters in college football when he was at Utah. I mean, I'm not saying to be shaking in your boots. BYU's a heck of a lot better today than they were yesterday. Yeah. 
I mean, there, there's no doubt about that. Provo Cougar fan says, has Utah and BYU picked up anyone from the portal yet? Not that I'm aware of. No, and I think the, the you won't hear portal news for a minute. I think it's going to be a minute. I think that, that, you know, once you get the coaching staff solidified, now I think it's time. And again, this isn't a Kalani thing, right? Obviously, this is outside the football program. But it's time for Tom Homo and the money-making machine at BYU to get right. Because yeah. ultimately, you can bring in, like, you can bring in the best recruiter there ever was, you know, but if you don't have the resources to sign NIL deals and and put things together, because because remember the formula, right? It's it's NIL money plus the transfer portal equals college football playoff. That's that's the equation. NIL money, transfer portal, college football playoff. So if you hire these guys and they're great recruiters and you get kids the traditional way, that's great. That's phenomenal. That's everything you'd want it to be. But the reality of the world is. To, to get to the college football playoff out of the Big 12, you're going to have to be prolific in the transfer portal. You're going to have to sign and do NIL deals. So that's, so that's what I'm saying. Great that the football program's getting getting buttoned up here, but now we got to see, and, and obviously the money-making changes and you know hirings and all that won't be publicized, but do you see more NIL deals coming out? Do you see more Bilt Bar deal type deals getting done? And if you see that, that's a surefire sign that they are right in the program. If you don't see it, obviously that says they're not. By the way, did anybody see that Garrett Riley won the Broyles Award for the top assistant coach in the country? That's Lincoln Riley's brother mm -hmm. at TCU. Yeah, just so, saying. I mean, it, the the so level of assistant. Right yeah, you get around the right people, you're going to win. Grocock's yeah. brother, Corey Grocock's brother. Yeah. Is this a BYU show? No, this is the biggest sports talk show in Utah. That's what this is. So when BYU's the lead story, we talk about BYU. Bottom line. Greg Romano says, uh, BYU struggles, Utah wins. That's why. That could be why. That could be why. Uh, Tom Bruckmiller says, this is also a Big 12 show. Absolutely it is. Provo, Provo Cougar fan says, people transfer to Utah for beer and females. Absolutely could be. Absolutely could be. Uh, Josh Levern says, Utah has a bunch of wiggle room for students compared to BYU. They do. Agreed. Absolutely, they do. Renee Roca says, add TCU to a team. No one in the Dallas-Fort Worth area cares about it. It wasn't until they were 8-0 before suddenly my football timeline was full of TCU fans. They can't fill that 40K stadium. City is a million people. Yeah, it's a problem. It's a problem. Uh, Greg Romano says, Gunnar Romney and Jacob Conover have been friends from high school. We actually had Jacob Conover on our show in Phoenix. Yeah. When he when he went to BYU, he was really excited to be there. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, that one's the one that hurts. I'm sure Conover's BYU experience influenced Tate Romney's entrance into the transfer portal. I doubt that. I doubt that. I think. Listen, I I think there was mass dysfunction at BYU this past year. Yeah. Uh, at Utah, you don't have to soak, steep, or ab absorb. Wow. Really. Hey, you start talking shit. Really, little jizzy. Says, with BYU's Big 12 money, they can build a soaking facility. Watch the recruits come in flocks. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Greg Romano says, Jay Hill uh, didn't get a great deal. Aaron Judge will make more in two games than Hill will make in one year. Yep. That Well, it's baseball money versus college football money. But I think it's, it's funny to point that out, though. Yep. Uh, Marsing Outdoors says, Hill's a stud and a great guy. Upgrade for BYU. Win-win. Players play hard for him. They do. They do. Exactly right. Exactly right. He also says, Tanner, you're, you're a, cup, a cup half empty then. 
Uh, totally fine if that's your style, but sheesh, dude. Of course you can say that about anything, but enjoy the potential. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Tanner commented earlier that um, you know, he isn't sure that Jay Hill makes the defense better. Uh, and, and, and which and, is just shocking. And I'm just I'm just like, saying I what disagree. What are you talking with that. about? I, 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 like that's your opinion and that's fine. But I'm saying that I disagree with that. I'm yep. saying that that Jay Hill at a small program has shown you what he can do and and I would love to see and, and again, this is why I keep pointing out the money making thing because you have to have money for a guy like Jay Hill to go and operate. You yeah. have to have that. I agree. Uh, Quint Randall, what's up, my guy? He says, I mentioned the other day, there has been a major shift recently, and it's bigger deal to have a Temple recommend. I think you're right. What do you and think Quint, that shift I know, is attributed to, though? Well, I also think, and we've been talking about this, I feel like, for months now. Mm -hmm. There is There is real divide inside of BYU. And... I don't think that, that, how do I say this gently? There's a lot of people at BYU that don't want the football team to succeed. They all want to make money, but they don't, and maybe the right way to say it is they don't care if the football team succeeds. Uh -huh. So they don't mind saying, hey, if you want to be the water boy, you have to have a Temple recommend. They don't mind the restrictions. They don't mind, they don't mind screwing relationships up that have been in place for a decade. They don't mind that because they don't care if the team wins. They care about themselves making money and, and you know, having power and being the reason and, yeah. you know, control, which is, trust me when I tell you, do you remember anything that Uncle Monty says today? Control is not real. Control you are is, fake. Yeah, control is a joke. So, I, I, you know, Quint, I don't think you're wrong at all. Absolutely not. Ron says, what does a temple recommend do for you? It gets you into the temple. It means you're in good standing. It means that you, um, you, know, you have done what needs to be done. You are in good standing with the church. You are philosophically, emotionally, physically, morally aligned with the tenets and the teachings of the LDS church. And not, I don't know how many people realize this, but if you walk up to an LDS temple, you can't just go in. Like it's a sacred place. And so to get in, you have to be in good standing and have a temple recommend. So it, you, it's not as simple as that. Uh, Boyd Lake says the coordinators don't have to be LDS. Well, you can go round and round about this. But they may not have to be, but they have to be. I mean, that, how else do you explain it? I don't know how else you explain it. Uh, Greg Romano says, Monty, you're not LDS. You fooled me. My wife is now wondering why I'm watching your show. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, well, here's the deal. I mean, anybody who does a talk show in this state needs to understand the the influence and the impact that the church has on decisions. No, and on the program, please. On the program. I'm talking about Ryan Smith. I'm talking about Danny Ainge. I'm talking about BYU. And I'm sure there's LDS influence on some level Listen, if you at don't, Utah. If you don't understand that the LDS church is what gets business done in this town, you're, you're lost. Yeah. I mean, it, it is... If we're telling the truth about the influence of the LDS church, it's a pipeline. It's an ATM machine. It is absolutely also a wrench in the gears. Y'all feel me? When it's good, it's as good as it gets. When it's bad, it's as bad as it gets. But ultimately, it's the only thing that matters. Yeah, and I'm not talking about religious beliefs or, you know, like all the stereotypes or FD Mormons and the magic underwear. And I'm talking about getting business done. Yeah. Winning football games has nothing to do in my opinion, with, you know, your track record. You can have a great track record, but if you don't have a, a if you're not a member in good standing, you're not going to get hired. Ultimately, 
at BYU, football is fifth. It's more important to be a member in good standing than it is to be an elite football coach. Yeah. It, it just is what it is. Uh, Quint says they want people that uh, buy fully into the mission of the university. Absolutely. Which there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is something that stands in the way sometimes. Yeah. Uh, M. Alvarez says, I don't think this is the issue because Jeff Grimes isn't a member. Right. But, but Grimey isn't here anymore. And I agree with Quint that things changed. Something changed. We've been talking about this for months. Months and months and months. And I, I, I tend to, and I'm not putting words in Quint Randall's mouth here, but I think, it's, I think it goes back beyond the beginning of the football season. This is something changed because we've heard about this divide between administration and athletics now for some time. 18 months is what my mind is saying. You know, um, you know I, I just think that, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Richard McDonald gives us a $5 tip and says, grew up Mormon, no longer believe, still love BYU football. Religion is not BYU's problem. Mormons aren't the only people who want to live with standards. Well, I mean, geez, that's a whole different show. Um, I don't, look, it's not, being LDS is not a problem. The church is not a problem. The church is a reality. The church is what it is. You're not making a phone call and changing that. I mean, it, 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 it just is what it is. Jeremy Bolton, good morning to you. Uh, Jeff Johnson says, uh, as an employee of BYU, if you don't have a temple recommend, you need um, an ecclesiastical endorsement from another church institution in place of that recommend. Not a churchgoer at all doesn't work. Well, I mean, there is that for, for certain. Uh, let's see. Richard McDonald says, last one. Seeing uh, Donnie destroy, the, uh, destroy on the calves hurts my soul. Happy for the guy, but miss seeing him in the note. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of people. Donovan Mitchell is the leading contender for the MVP of the NBA right now. Do you see what he did to LeBron last night? God damn. Uh, let's go. Stockton Cleverly says, are there any Weber players that are good enough to play P5 football that could potentially transfer in? I'm sure, but I, I don't think we know them. I don't think we know them. Yeah. Or at least in my opinion, we don't know them. I could be wrong. Um, but that's just my opinion. I, I don't think we do. Um, but hey, listen, I, I, I don't think there's any doubt that, you know, when you look at Utah sports this morning, the biggest stories in sports as always, presented by Quick Quack Car Wash, I don't think there's any doubt that BYU is leading the news cycle this morning. Um, and hey, when you're rolling around today, make sure you stop by Quick Quack Car Wash. Plato, I have no idea. Lipstick. Apparently, my car door looks like a canvas. Quick back. It's my saving grace. No one else needs to know the madness of my door. You making a million dollars a year, you better be paying your full tithes. You tithing? Like, there's some questions like, hey, is, is Jay Hill a full tithe payer? Uh, One of the questions to get, to get. I don't know. So, my, again, I'm not LDS. Basic research. I'm happy to be wrong. But my my understanding of getting a recommend is you go through two interviews, right? And in these interviews, they ask you things like, do you strive to be honest in all that you do? No, I, I like to lie. Uh, do you understand and obey the word of wisdom? Hell no. Dude, I do what I want. Here's one for you. Here's one. Are there serious sins in your life that need to be resolved with priesthood authorities as part of your repentance? <laughs> 
Do you consider yourself worthy to enter the Lord's house and participate in temple ordinances? So these are just examples of questions that you get asked. And I'm telling you, yeah, like it or hate it is not the conversation. It's it not. is what it is. It is in place, and it has to be fulfilled if you want to be a coordinator at BYU. And with all due respect to Buddy on your phone or the comments, I don't care if it's on paper. Your actions tell me what it is. And right now, as you've said four times today, there's been a change, and you have to hold a card. You do. It just is what it is. Yep. Big Mugamba says the question is whether he brings some Weber State coaches with him. I think there are two former BYU guys there. Wasn't Matty Ayu on that staff? I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I could see that. I mean, you you want your guys there. Uh, Greg says maybe Sean Nua is a smokescreen and Jason Kafusi is going to be BYU's D-line coach instead. Man, the Kafusis just keep coming to BYU, don't they? Uh, Gage Carter, not football-related, but the best a- athletes to come out of Weber State is Damian Lillard. Not close. Not close. Jake Brandon, good morning to you. BYU now has Hill, and rumors are that Wit is close to being done. Now Hill is off the board for that new staff. Well, uh, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I, you know, somebody else asked me about that. Why Jay Hill would go to BYU to be a defensive coordinator when Kyle Whittingham's retiring. That was texted to me yesterday. I don't, is, is Kyle Whittingham really, really if they win Not the yet. Rose Bowl, if they win the Rose Bowl, would it surprise anybody if, if, if Kyle steps away? No, no. I think that'd be a hell of a way to go out. Back-to-back Pac-12 champions in a Rose Bowl? Yeah. Hell of a way to go out. Jake, maybe you're not wrong. Maybe you're not wrong. Uh, Greg Romano says, all joking aside, I see Weber's linebacker coach, Matt Ayu, joining Kelly Papinga as BYU's linebacker coaches. I mean, Matty is a guy that you want in your program. I mean, obviously, the Ayu name is massive at at BYU. I mean, Chaz, it would be nice if he could stay healthy uh, for certain. Um, we'll see. Uh, Grocock's brother. Are you guys on the payroll to sensationalize all things BYU? Could be. Uh, could be. You know. Yeah, we're not members, so they're not paying us anything. Uh, Zachary Thornton says, the truth is Pac-12 and Southern uh, Cal fans are weak. Big 12 are rabid. That won't change. That's absolutely true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. That's why all the Big 12 people listen to Football at 50. 10 to the hour every hour on the Monty Show when we talk about the biggest stories in football. I don't think there's any doubt that uh, you you need you need some Papa Murphy's Pizza in your life. Absolutely. Use the promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more for Papa Murphy's Pizza. Tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Um, I don't think there's any doubt. I think this is this Jay Hill story is the biggest story in football. Because I, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say it, the change is seismic in the state of Utah. Yeah. I mean, just the, the shift that's going to happen in recruiting. And I think BYU has not recruited the defensive side of the football well. There's no doubt about that. The, the depth of D-line alone. Now, you've gotten better in the secondary. I think the linebackers, when healthy, are, are awesome. The defensive line, the defensive ends, the depth, it, it's problematic. There, there, there just is no way to, to spin that. Jay Hill changes that immediately. Um, I think when you look at the recruiting battle on the whole, I think Jay Hill changes that. Kelly Papinga changes that. Those two are prolific recruiters, and I I don't know who comes in to coach D-line. If it ends up being Sean Nua, now I have hesitation on that, but if it ends up being Sean Nua, he's a heck of a recruiter. He is one of the best recruiters in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. So there is no doubt in my mind, recruiting-wise, BYU just got exponentially better. 
So now let's see who the rest of that staff is, right? Let's see how, because Kalani's a pretty darn good recruiter on his own. I mean, this is this is a team that's going to be more talented defensively. I mean, they better. They're paying Jay Hill a million bucks. So yeah. I, I think it's absolutely seismic uh, in the state of Utah. And in the in, in, I, I actually think Jake Brandon's comment about Wynn is interesting. I, I am very curious. You can't tell me that, that Jay Hill and Kyle Whittingham are not in lockstep. Yeah. Jay and Kyle have a really good relationship, I have to believe. Jay would be... But then again, don't you have a coach in waiting at, at Utah? You I mean, do. I know they removed the tag, but... I mean... You do. I, I, this is a very interesting... I, I mean, the puzzle pieces now have all been shuffled. Now you got to put the puzzle back together in this state. Yeah. Because I think you have incredible turmoil up in, in Logan at Utah State. I think now, I mean, you're, you're going to backslide at Weber. There's just no way not to. I mean, Jay Hill, what Jay Hill did there is nothing short of sensational. BYU and Utah are, are throwing blows. Where's all the outrage over Jay Hill leaving Weber? Like there was over Dion leaving Jackson State. Yeah, right. Where's all the outrage? I don't know. My biggest question about Jay Hill is how long is he at, is he at BYU? Yeah. You know? Uh, Jeremy Bolt says, I also remember that Brady Pop recruited and developed Kyle Vinoy. Uh, Fred Warner and your mom. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Man, my mom's he a hell of a, of a linebacker. Job. Did a hell of a job. You know, you know. Uh, let's see. The Big Mugamba says Skyler Ridley is uh, uh, Weber State's wide receiver coach. He is, in fact. Would be interesting if he somehow fits into BYU as well. Well, I think Fessy Sataki's done an outstanding job. An outstanding job with the wide receivers. Yeah. I, I would not change that at all. Boyd Lake says Ed Lamb is also not a member. It's not a requirement for assistant coaches at BYU. Guys. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Dude, like we can keep going Boyd, round and round you. about this. Are you really going to hang your hat on the hook that being a member is not a requirement? Come on. I, I don't see how it's not a requirement. I mean, I, I don't know. We'll see. By the um, way, Ed Lamb's not here anymore. I don't know if anyone noticed that. Yeah, he went to Northern Colorado to be the head coach. Hey, good for Ed Lamb. I wish him well. Good for Ed Lamb, man. I mean, you know. Uh, let's see. Greg Hale says, anyone thinking someone will uh, overstep Morgan Scally as the head coach of, U of Utah if Witt retires? I think Morgan Scally made a terminal mistake. And I don't know... Boy, you, you use that language with a recruit. I don't know that that's a mistake. Yeah. That's a that's a roadmap of your morality. I don't know. Do you hire Morgan Scally to be your head coach at yeah, well, Utah? Yeah, that's what Greg I mean, is saying. Greg is saying it's laughable if anyone thinks that, that it'll be anybody but Morgan. I, I mean, I think they... I, I mean, it, it may... Listen. He should be... He, I don't know if I would hire Morgan Scally. I'll leave it at that. I think that when you're involved in an ugly racial incident with a recruit, dude, that's hard to come back from. And, and their defenses are unbelievable. And Morgan, by all accounts, has done a great job there. But I don't know that I can hire him. I don't know if I can hire him. I, 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 I don't. You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, uh, let's see. Brett Burnett says Kyle Whittingham retires and then comes back to BYU. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Um, I think this Deion Sanders staff story is unbelievable. 
Deion Sanders is reportedly hiring Mike Zimmer, who, by the way, is a consultant of his at Jackson State, to be the defensive coordinator at Colorado. That's crazy. You're going to hire Mike Zimmer to be your defensive coordinator at Colorado. And, I mean, you look at the you look at some of the other hires. Yeah. You look at Willie Taggart, Tim Brewster. I mean, Ray Forsett is going to be their, his chief of staff. Yeah, dude. I mean, you have one. So this is what I mean. Like, you have a quality staff there, and, and that's what it's going to take. I, I mean, it's it's... Like, Prime is going to be the point man, obviously, and he's going to set the tone, but I think it's really important that the rest of your staff, you know, lives the the values and the core fundamentals of what Prime wants to do in that program. And and I think, again, and I know we've been talking about it a lot, but go and watch that full speech. It's 17 minutes of, hey, we're getting this thing going. You know, like, you, you need to understand who Prime is to understand why these moves are so powerful. Dude, and if there's any doubt, if there's any doubt that relationships make the world go round, do you guys understand that Mike Zimmer was Deion Sanders' corner coach at Dal- with the Dallas Cowboys in the 90s? And now he's going to be Prime's defensive coordinator at Colorado. Yeah. I mean, Tim Brewster, the former uh, Minnesota coach, Minnesota Golden Gophers, he's a prolific recruiter. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's crazy to me how much better college football coaching got in the last 10 days. It's unbelievable. And then, by the way, you just throw in Willie Taggart, another really good recruiter. Yes. Deion Sanders is not playing games at, at, at Colorado. He's working. And all of this conversation about, oh, UK is an embarrassment. That's an institution of higher. Shut up. That's an institution of we want to win football games eventually. So we're going to change the culture, which is exactly what Kalani did on defense. Yeah. My God, Deion Sanders is coming for people's heads, dude. Like, I mean... Amazing. By the way, Chaboy! Chaboy. How about Baker Mayfield and L.A. Ram? Yeah. Done, not done? He's a scrub. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has been a scrub. Number one overall pick that can't that can't hold a job. Like, it's kind of crazy. I don't think he plays this week. I think next week, though, you probably play him. You do think you play him next week? Yeah. Well, because their season's over. They're evaluating at this point. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it'll be interesting to see exactly where... Uh, Baker winds up when his career is over. I, uh, Baker's a TV guy, in my opinion. Big personality, knows football, obviously. I think it's interesting to me that Baker Mayfield has been such an unbelievable flop. An unbelievable flop. By the way, uh, Josh Levern says, uh, Chris Peterson linked to the UNLV head coaching job. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Uh, Coach O and Chris Peterson are not getting that job. Yeah. They're not. They're, you're, they're not getting. They're not. They don't want that job, in my opinion. I could be wrong. Um, all right. Football 50, 10 of the hour. Every hour on Vine Monte program is presented by our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you use the promo code MONTE25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more. Papa Murphy's presents How to Change the Way You Pizza. Step one, grab a delicious Papa Murphy's Pizza. Step two, bake. Step three, chow down on the deliciousness. Order the limited time Hog Heaven Pizza today at papamurphys.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza. Use the promo code MONTE25 to get 25% off your purchase 
of $25 or more. Back to BYU in college football at 8.30. But right now it's time to talk Utah Jazz basketball on the Monty Show. As always, Jazz basketball is presented by our good friends at TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com slash Monty is where it be at. Why do you keep grinding away at a job that is killing your soul? Look at all the layoffs. And we're going to talk. We're actually, by the way, an hour from now, we're going to talk crypto. We're going to talk all about the Bitcoin, the the Silicon Slopes. Ethereum. You know, um, why do people keep grinding against all of their best instincts? Go work for yourself. Go to TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Make the money you deserve. Jake, your Golden State Warriors are in town tonight. Right. To take on the Utah Jazz. Here's the problem, though. The Utah Jazz are going to win this game because Golden State's not playing anybody. Yeah, I mean, you know, so Golden State's not going to be playing Steph Wiggs or Draymond, um, you know, and, and, and it's really interesting. Like, this is clearly that conversation of resting guys or, or you know, load management. Like, that's what's happening here. And and I think what's going to be interesting tonight is pace of play. That's, that's what I'd be looking for out of this Utah Jazz team playing the Golden State Warriors. You know, the Warriors are a team when, when they're at full strength, they're going to get up and down. We all know that. We've seen it the last, what, seven years now or whatever it's been. They're, they're their best when they're playing well. And tonight, Jordan Poole is going to be the biggest problem for the Utah Jazz because I think he's going to torture them. I think that Jordan Poole is someone who is obviously ascending. He's obviously looking to get to Steph's level. And while I don't think that Jordan Poole will ever be the shooter that Steph Curry is in the big picture, I think impact-wise, he, he has a hell of an impact on a nightly basis. So... To me, when I look at this game, you know, the the Jazz are minus seven, over-unders 234. You know, you figure somewhere in that 115, 117 range for for the Jazz. But I, I do have this sneaking suspicion that the Warriors are putting up, you know, 125, 130 on this Utah Jazz team just because they can shoot it so well and they move the ball. So to me, I think this is this is a, a Jazz loss. But this conversation around the Jazz being off for, what is it, four days now or whatever it's been is really fascinating to me. Because if you remember last week on the show when we were talking about the Jazz, they really struggled to do the little things. They really struggled to, to execute pick and roll, both offensively and defensively. You know, they really struggled to create the, the corner three-point shot that had been so prolific for them in the first 13 games and they went 10 and 3. And so now you look at this Jazz team who, you know, are 14 and 12, you're barely above 500 but you are and you're starting to see some of the better teams in the league. And so to me, I just I wonder, you know, 4 days of practice here, how committed are you to doing the right thing? Cuz if you look at the schedule, it doesn't get too much easier, right? So you got the Warriors tonight, Friday you you're 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 at the Viv for Minnesota, Rudy Gobert's return. Um, and then you're on the road in Denver. So these next three uh, are really crucial. You have to be able to execute. You have to be able to to understand how to move Rudy out of the paint. You know, you have to be able to understand, hey, we got to get Jokic out of the paint so we can create some of these open looks. So to me, I look at this schedule and I say a 14 and 12 team is probably not going to fare too well again against the Golden States, the Minnesotas, the Denvers. Not to mention December 17th, you've got Milwaukee, right? You're at Milwaukee, and then you're going to see Donnie on the 19th. So again, December is not a kind month for you. Uh, it's a difficult month. But I think that if you play with pace, you move the basketball, you find the wide open three in the corner, that's what allows this team to be successful. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that the ball movement's the thing that you want to see more consistently. 
Right, but this is a game you should win. I mean, there's no doubt. I don't think, I think so. I disagree. You don't think so? I think the Warriors are better than you, even without those guys. Oh, you're crazy. I think Jordan Poole is better than Colin Sexton. I think Jordan Poole uh, is going to terrorize this team tonight, in my opinion. I think Jordan Poole's going to terrorize this yeah, team I do. tonight. I, I think that they will play pick and roll. I think that Kelly Olynyk will be in the middle of that, and Kelly is not going to be able to stay with Jordan Poole, obviously. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see yeah, how all that plays out. By the way, a uh, little breaking news for you this morning. Uh, Sonny Dykes um, has a contract extension through 2028 that will uh, have his pay uh, boosted to the top of the Big 12. Really? You're going to pay Sonny Dykes the most money in the Pac-12? That's according to ESPN and Pete Thamel. Uh, so that's a pretty big story. But I, you know what? I think with the Utah Jazz, I just want to see more consistency. And we can banter back and forth about how dumb your Golden State Warrior take is. Uh -huh. But I think that, um, uh, you know, uh, oh, um, 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 <laughs> I said how dumb your Golden State Warrior take. And, and you're going to look dumb tomorrow when they lose by 15 tonight. They're not going to lose by 15. You know. Yeah, they are. James Wiseman's back. Mm -hmm. Walker Kessler's not going to have an answer for that. Okay. Uh, we shall see. This is a game the Jazz should win. Um, I think if the Jazz play team basketball, they're not going to, the Warriors won't have an answer for, answer for the uh, finish flash. Lori Mark Kinnan, um, I think, is going to be, is going to have to be the center of the world tonight. And I think this Jazz team could beat the Golden State Warriors. Um, obviously, when Golden State's playing at their top of their game, I still think they're the best team in the NBA, but they're not. And tonight, they certainly won't be. This is a game the Golden State Warriors are going to lose. Um, I do think seven's a huge number. Yeah. I think they're going to play a lot more, you know, I think they're going to play a lot more freedom with a lot more freedom, if you will, as we talk Utah Jazz basketball on the Monty Show presented by TridayTrading.com. Um, and Alex, I agree with you. I mean, uh, I love this show, but sometimes Jake has the absolute worst takes. Yeah, we'll see tomorrow morning, won't we? Yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll see. You know. I agree. Kenai Johnson says this is a trap game for the Jazz. Yes, Poole is going to uh, ham them tonight. Brent Burnett says uh, Jazz are going to crush the Warriors. See, everybody agrees with me. Right. Uh, Salty Drunk says, does Rudy get an appreciation video pregame? Yes. Probably, no, he shouldn't. He shouldn't, but he will. He sucks. Uh, he will. Absolutely, he does. Does Joe Ingles get an appreciation video before the game, and do they rip that number two off of Colin Sexton, that cock? <clears throat> Uh, Alex Chacon says, "Did Jake, did you just say Poole is going to beat the Jazz by himself? I don't know if you know this. Now, you guys, and I, this is breaking news. I know this is new in the NBA. You have to have five guys on the floor. You can't just play with one guy. Right. Yeah. You guys are going to look stupid tomorrow. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Like, you, 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 this okay. team lost to the Bulls. This team has lost to... Yeah, but to, they just had four days off. You had three practices and a shoot-around in four days. Yeah, that might be true. I don't believe you that they're dis it. disciplined. I think they're too young of a team. I think I think the the issues with Laurie Markkinen not playing enough minutes in the second half uh, are plaguing this team. I think Will Harding needs to make that adjustment, and I would expect to see that tonight. But but okay. you 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 look uh, you look at you know yeah sure I'm slurping the Warriors. That's fine. That's fine, dude. I'm telling you, everybody on this show doesn't appreciate Jordan Poole for what he is. And I know he's Draymond's punching bag and Jordan Poole's a loud mouth. But Jordan Poole is the guy that can drive by you, 
finish at the bucket, or he can shoot it from 30 and knock it down repeatedly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, what what's your answer? Like, I get it. You have Laurie Markkinen. They're not going to have a great answer for that. I would agree. But you don't have a guy that can guard Jordan Poole. Like, Colin Sexton is not going to be able to guard him the whole game. I am currently going through auto-texting hell trying to have an argument. Anyway, the point is, um, you're dumb. Uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> okay, what do you want to bet on this game? What do you want to bet on Jordan Poole playing one-on-five? He's obviously not going to play one-on-five. But you said he was going to single. I'm, I'm sorry, I'll stop. I'm just having fun with you now. I'm just having, having fun with you. Uh, let's see. Um, Poole is worse. Is a worse Clarkson. He is. That's actually right. I disagree. Okay. I disagree. Alex Chacon says Golden State lost in Indiana. They did. They lost to Indiana Jones. Yeah. The difference is Indiana's experience. They know how to win games. Greg Romano says, uh, I'm looking forward to Jake saying I told you so. <laughs> yeah. And it will be stiff. <laughs> Jeremy Bolton says, of course, of course they lost to the Bulls. The Bulls have the most successful, underrated, handsome player in Chicago history. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan. Look at his avatar. Just saying. Just saying. Um, I think that this is going to be an awesome game to watch. And I think it's going to be wildly entertaining. You know, it is. Uh, by the way, Fat Jesus says, you don't need five guys. Didn't you see Hoosiers? Have you ever seen Hoosiers? Yes. Hey, Claw. Is that a lie? No. <laughs> no. No. Not a lie. What's Hoosiers about? Football movie. No, it's not. I'm you just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Teddy Wayman. Sup, guys. Had to jump in and say, Jake, my man, Utah is going to win by double digits, and I got 20 on it if, if you're down for a bet. Yeah, here's the problem, though. Here, I would be down for that bet, but here's the problem. I don't have a way to give, give that money to you. Hey, duck season will pay off Jake's yeah, end of it. Yeah. I'll call duck season. Jacob. <laughs> Brett Burnett says uh, NBA rigged, which is what? Oh, stop. It's, it's, Not here for it. NBA's Not here rigged. for it. Breaking news. NBA yeah, exposed question. by Brett yeah, Burnett is a rigged league. Yeah, next question. Coming up at 5 o'clock on KSL first. Makes me want to puke. All right. <laughs> Tyler P says, didn't the Jazz demolish Indiana? They did. They did. Uh, Jeremy Bolton has a very salient point. Does Jake know who Chris Mullen is? Do you know who Chris Mullen is? Yes. Okay. Do you know what rum t run TMC means? No. Okay, good. Uh, Golden State has a sixth man with a whistle. Oh, st what? why do... Hey, you start talking shit. Stop. Excuses. I hate the, I hate the ref excuse. Yeah, because it, it, it's just not a... A thing. I hate it. By yeah. the way, Mike Conley back tonight. How important is Mike Conley for this club? Should be back tonight. How yeah, important be is back. Mike Conley for the yeah, club? I think he's, he's crucial. I, I think when Mike plays, you know, and they can get a couple of those th wide open threes on the wing from him, that really helps them, you know, and I think they really miss those buckets because when you when you don't have those, it's tough to string together, you know, four, five, six, yes. seven offensive possessions in a row where you score. And, and that was a lot of the reason they were losing to teams like the Bulls, you know, like you just weren't able to – be consistent. Again, that's the word we use with the Jazz, consistency. And, and and the reason, again, the reason I think they struggle against a team like the Warriors tonight, even without those three guys, is because you're still going to have Klay Thompson. You're still going to have Jordan Poole. You're still going to have, uh, you know, the rest of the guys, you know, who, who come off the bench there playing. So, like, to me, it's like the Warriors just have immense depth. They're fast. They're physical. They're very athletic. Like, they're hard to keep in front of you. And that's what I'm saying. Like, 
the Jazz can win this game. And and again, I'm happy to die on the hill of I think the Warriors are winning this game. I think Jordan Poole is a is a is a a 30 point guy tonight. I think he shoots the lights out as usual. Uh, and then I think you know it depends on how the Jazz are able to react because if Mike does play, the pick and roll should be much better. Laurie should have a big night. Like Laurie should have 30 tonight if Mike plays. You know, you should be able to put your guys in better positions to score. But it would be Mike's first game back, so we'll see. We shall see, and I I do think they'll be good. By the way, I also want to talk about Donnie because I know that you know somebody on this show, what an idiot, said that Donovan Mitchell was going to win the MVP and average 30 points a game. Hey, you start talking shit. You know, um, I don't. Do you remember who said that? Was that Grocock who said that? that uh, Grocock's brother. Donovan Mitchell is torching this league. Y'all right feel now. me? And I know that people are upset about that, and I know that people hate that. But I think you have to have a strong level of respect for what Donovan Mitchell is doing. He blew up the Lakers last night. Mm-hmm. And if you look at where he is and who he is in the ranks with, Donovan Mitchell is seventh in the NBA in scoring at 29 points a game. More than Morant, Booker, Trey Young, Jalen Brown, LeBron James, DeMar DeRozan. Like he's in the company of Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Jason Tatum, Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I think is having a crazy year, Yanis, and Luka. Like that's the company he's keeping. Yeah. Having a hell of a year. Like there's no there's no doubt about it. Yeah. He is. I mean, you you some of the numbers that should just piss you off as a jazz fan, he's shooting 50% from the floor. He is making four threes a game, shooting nine threes a game. Yeah. That's 42.4%. He shoot I said he's shooting 42.4% from three. Yeah, dude. I'm for real. Are you kidding me? He's shooting 92% from the line. I'm for real. Seven boards, five and a half dimes, a steal, two blocks. And by the way, he's he is only averaging, he is only averaging, or excuse me, 0.4 blocks. He is only averaging three turnovers a game. Mm-hmm. Like he, I mean, the guy is absolutely crushing right now. Fucking A. Yeah, he's having a hell of a year. And, and I think he needed it. Those defensive numbers are not flukes. He is, Donovan Mitchell is showing you that it was a system problem, not a Don problem. Yeah. And I think a lot of Utah Jazz fans, I know you're going to be upset about that, but that's just, the, I mean, that's just the bottom line. I, I, He is a much better player now than he was at any time with the Jazz, and I think it's because he's in a better system surrounded by more able players. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's why you're seeing Minnesota struggle. That's why you're seeing the Jazz struggle at times. Like, you have to have the right combination. And when you have that, guys like Donovan Mitchell are going to eat. Yeah. Um, let's see. The Nye guy says, I love anyone who butt pounds the Lakers. Excuse me. I thought you said butt pounds. I'm sorry. Could you enunciate that correctly? <laughs> Booty pounderific. Pound town. Uh, Keaton Critchlow. Good morning, Keaton. What's up, man? Donnie went off last night. Dude was straight balling. Yeah. I mean, he it, it, is he not exactly what this team needs? Yep. I don't have a problem with 100%. the trade. You know, I don't have a problem with the trade. But he's exactly what this team needs. Neville 93, good morning, sir. He says, we need Sexton, Clarkson, and Beasley to step it up if they want to win this game. They do. They do. Absolutely. Uh, Tyler P. says, Jordan Poole is still better. 
than Donnie? No, he's not. No, nah, he's not better than Don. Stop. Stop. Uh, Brett Burnett. Spida is playing great, but we all knew that. And the Cavs happy the price they paid to get him while cheap Knicks uh, make up excuses. I can't believe the Knicks didn't make that deal. Yeah, you're dumb. You're stupid. Just not, a, I mean, just has, not good has, business. Has Grimes done anything for them? No. Oh. I, I think he's, I, I don't need, I'm not even sure he's played 10 games yet. And the New York Knickerbockers are ninth in the East at 11 <coughs> and 13. <coughs> I mean, has he played 10 games for them? Where is Grimes at? He's played 14 games. <coughs> By the way, did you see they benched uh, Cam Reddish? Yeah. Another Tom Thibodeau special. Another player benched. Not going to play. Quentin Grimes, who they refused to trade. Has played 14 games, started nine, averages 21 minutes, 5.6 points a game. Two boards, one and a half assists. That's the guy you refused to make a Donovan Mitchell trade. All due respect. You said, I cannot trade for Donovan Mitchell because you want Quentin Grimes. And by the way, I would also just remind you that R.J. Barrett, not having a very good year. He's down to 18, averaged 20 points a game last year. He's at 18.4. Yeah. Five and a half rebounds. I'm telling you, the Jazz won by not making the Knicks trade. Facts. And for everybody who crushed Danny Ainge over that, and I'm telling you right now, not making the Knicks trade is the best trade the Jazz made. 100%. The Rudy trade and the Don trade were absolute theft. Absolute theft. Yeah, and I think that the Knicks are the Knicks for a reason. They're not good at basketballing. So, you know, that's, that's the reality of the situation for them. And by the way, I hate to say it. Don't. Don't. I, you know, we were having such a good show. Luka Doncic, another double-double last night. You out of your goddamn mind. Only, only 22 points, 12 boards. Or, excuse me, 10 boards and 12 dimes for a triple-double. I hate him. Yeah. But I he's hate really him. good. They need – take the three-way. Let that guy crush you with twos. Yeah. Please stop giving him open looks at three. Yeah, I agree. And it's amazing to me the league hasn't adjusted. By the way, best team in the NBA is – Boston. I think it's Boston. They're they're they are really good. I they know. They are really good. Yeah. They are they are really, really good. Although I think Cleveland's defense is better now than Boston. Now I could be Jared Allen's subjective. a savage, dude. Dude, they're defensively they're playing incredible basketball. I, I think it's not close that Cleveland's playing the best defense right now. Yeah, I think that I think that a lot of these teams just gotta get the job done in the playoffs. Like, you know, they're gonna play all these regular season games, they're gonna beat all these teams. But you got to get it done in the playoffs, and and that's the thing about Donnie. Like I, as much as I hate to say it, it's cool that Donovan's having this great year, you know. But you got to get the job done in the playoffs because right now you haven't done a damn thing he, in this league. Has dude. he been a bad playoff guy? Yeah, well, he just hasn't won. He hasn't like you're not the reason your team yeah. wins or loses. I'm clearly too much of an apologist for Don. You are, but that's I fine. I don't see him as why they lost in the playoffs. Um, I mean the. the the bogey shot miss in Dallas alone last year. Yeah, but but was why a were great you there? Pass. You got to keep going back though. The bogey, well, the bogey because he wasn't hundred because he was hurt. Yeah. Don, Donovan's been hurt too much. If you want to say that, okay, I'm totally down for that. But okay, I'm but here hurt, for that. But not making shots, whatever. He's got to win. This is the Devin Booker conundrum. This is the Jason I, Tatum conundrum. Like I agree. Neat. You you got eliminated at home, JT at home by Steph Curry. Come on. You know, I, I think when you look at Don's got – and he has stayed healthy. His, he's, his explosiveness enough. 
But I think when you look at what ailed the Jazz, I mean, just the refusal to take Rudy off the floor. Yeah. And again, I'm a huge fan of Quinn Snyder, but I think Quinn was part of the problem as much as Rudy was. You have to take Rudy off the floor. You have to show some courage and take Rudy off the floor. But yeah, I think Donovan has the potential to carry the Cavs to an Eastern Conference championship. Will it be this year? Probably not, because I think there's five teams better than the Cavs right now. But I want to see trades. Uh, we, we need to see what happens at trade season. And the trade deadline is so much earlier this year yeah. that I think it's very challenging for teams to navigate that. But it's, it'll be fast. I'm really excited to watch it. You know, Tyler P says toss up between the uh, Bucks and the Celtics. Nyguy says Quinn was a huge reason. You think, how much of a problem was Quinn Snyder last year? I mean, I, I think that he, you know, there was, he's definitely had a part. I, it's hard for me to say how much, but like I think that not having accountability is always going to be an issue. Yeah. Teddy Wayman says Donnie was the only reason that Jazz were competitive in the playoffs, man. I, I think there's a lot to that. It just, you, the biggest issue, the biggest issue is he didn't trust his teammates. Yeah. And m- both times that he gave the ball up in the playoffs with a game on the line, it didn't end well. Air balls. And you look at Bogey, you look at, well, I mean, in the bubble, wasn't it Mike? Like, the, my biggest frustration is, is that Don's got to take those shots. Yeah. But yep. that pass to Boyan, dude. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else you could do. Uh, Salty Drunk says, "What? No love for Milwaukee, the best team in the NBA." And before you say no, uh, it's not not Jingles motivated. I look, I think Milwaukee's good. I think they are solely reliant on Giannis, and I think that they just routinely have too many injuries now because they've played too many games. Yeah, you you look at Brooke Lopez being out, or excuse me, Lopez being Bro-Pez, out. Lopez, thank you. You look at Middleton just getting back. Like they've just had so many injuries. I don't know that you can that you can count on them. And you you go back and look at you know, the loss to the Lakers is a really good example of this. Like defensively, they're not the same team. Yeah, they're not the same team, and it's because you're not getting that bench contribution that you're used to, like Bobby. Bobby Portis for the shooter he is, is not a great defensive player. Yeah. I, I, I think when when you get when Pat Connaughton is a minus 13, you're gonna he's lose games. You're gonna lose games. And I love Grayson Allen. Don't get me wrong, but you 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 you're just they've got to make a deal. I think yeah. that they're they're a little stagnant. And I'm yeah. not saying Joe Ingles isn't even on that team. I mean, Joe Ingles isn't even ready to play, so it's it's going to be a considerable amount of time before he even has relevance. But I look at the East. Dude, we can go up and down this, I think, better than Milwaukee. The Celtics, the Cavs, I think, and again, I'll be the only guy saying this, but man, you look at the you look at the the what the Celtics did to the Nets. Yeah. The Nets are the Nets are actually really good, and they're this close. But can you count on Ben Simmons to come back and be healthy? No, nope. <clears throat> I think they got to make a trade. Yeah, <clears throat> they need, they need to make a trade. That was always a huge risk to do the Ben Simmons deal. But the problem is, is Kyrie looks really good now. Yeah. Well, it's funny what happens when you lose your Nike money and you get suspended, and you know, guy's been humbled. They don't. They don't assist nearly enough. That team. That team should have thirty-five assists before the game tips off. Yeah, I think. 
But I think Brooklyn's got an opportunity. Brooklyn's one of those teams that I'm talking about. If Milwaukee makes a deal to upgrade their bench on any way, shape, or form, they're the best team in the East. Right. Okay, like if... It, look at Atlanta with this Trey Young situation. Did you guys see what happened with Trey Young? You get into an argument with your coach, Nate McMillan, about rehabbing a shoulder, and you wind up missing a game because you wouldn't go out and you wouldn't go to the training room. You wanted to go out for pregame shoot around. And he's like, Nate McMillan, by reports, Nate McMillan and Trey Young. Got into an argument because Trey wanted to go out and shoot. He was having shoulder issues. Nate said, you need to get treatment, then go out and shoot. And, Nate, and, and Trey Young's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm going to shoot. So Nate's like, okay, well, then you're going to come off the bench tonight. And Trey was like, okay, well, then I'm not going to play. So he didn't play. Like, how, how are you built around that guy? Yeah. How are you built around that guy? It's rather childish. Really stupid. Yeah. Just really stupid. Just and bad luck. So I don't, I don't put a lot of credence in them. But then again, and I know I'm the only idiot in the room. I get it. I'm a total clown. And they've lost three straight to Cleveland, Memphis, and the Rockets. Anybody see that James Harden's back? And he's not just back. Did you guys, like, the step back is back. Yeah, he looks good. I just don't trust them to win the big games. You know, that's the thing. Like, I'm sure that they can. What's their record right now? What are they, what are they at? A lot of losses and a, not many wins. 12 and 12, 500. 5 and 500 7 team on the road. right now with Can't all these win injuries. On the road. Yeah. Can't so, win on the road. So, 500 team with all these injuries. Like, they're going to obviously go to the playoffs. But it's just a matter of if they can find that cohesiveness in a playoff series. That's the issue. You, you, you haven't been able to win that big game. They missed Tyrese Maxey in some kind of bad way. Because yeah. if, if, and Tyrese Maxey's not a guy that's had lots of injuries. James Harden's had lots of injuries. Joe's had lots of injuries. Anyway, all of this to say, I just think Milwaukee needs to make a deal to improve themselves. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the West is also pretty good. Devin Booker can't put up 11 points against Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's hugely disappointing. And yeah, I'm a book guy. That's but that's the problem. I'm a I'm a book He's guy. He's got to show Dude. up. Brett Burnett says Don and Rudy were awesome. Uh the team just had issues with injuries come uh come playoffs and it failed to get it done. No, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. I mean I I think you can say a lot of things and I'm sure there's a thousand people like you're stupid, you don't have sources, you're a liar. Sources. Um we, we have been pretty nails on the Jazz. They had massive chemistry issues. That locker room was separated 26 ways to Sunday. Yeah. So, and there was zero accountability. Which is a Quinn issue. Yes, I agree. Um, he says it's um, still good duo and team. Spider will get a title. Too good not to. I would agree with that. Uh, the Nye guy says, what, uh, whatever butter substance Quinn marinated his hair with soaked his brain. <laughs> I mean, that could definitely, you know. <laughs> whatever butter substance. Butter substance. <laughs> okay. Uh, BYU in three minutes. Eric C. says, I hope Grayson finally finishes the job on Caruso. You shut your mouth, sir. Yeah, that's offensive. Uh, Brett Burnett says Celtics going to be really good in the Cavs come end of the season. Bucks aren't far behind. Bucks are not far behind. They got to make a deal. Tyler P. The Cavs are not better than the Bucks. I think the Ca the Bucks are not deep. The Bucks are not deep, and I think I don't know. Giannis has played a lot of basketball, man. 
Uh, and I think we saw it last year or whenever yeah. that was with the knee. Like, it's scary how much basketball homies played. Yeah. Uh, Teddy Wayman says, Trey about to get his second coach fired. The Wizards are fielding calls on Kuzma. Maybe the Nets give them a call. Well, I think there's going to be big change. Big change in the East. Big change in the East. Uh, finally, Brett says, the Nets have been dysfunctional but could come around when it counts. Well, because I, I think they have to make a deal. They have to make a deal. Anytime we're talking jazz in the NBA, it's trydaytrading.com. Well, let me Harrington here. You know, I've been in the broadcast business going on 30 years now. And after that amount of time, you start to be able to pick some winners. I want to share a winner that I'm aware of with you, and that is my guys at Triday Trading. They're going to teach you how to trade, and then they're going to let you trade using their money and then split the profits with you. That's a pretty winning deal. If you want to register for a free webinar, all you have to do is go to trydaytrading.com slash Monty. So for more information, it's trydaytrading.com slash Monty. We'll see you there. Absolutely right. You'll see us there because it's a free webinar. That's all we're asking you to do is go watch a free webinar at trydaytrading.com slash Monty and then make a decision. You're not in, you're not in. But trust me when I say nine out of 10 people are in because it is absolutely a lucrative business. And I mean, top performers are making more than a thousand dollars a day after going through the trydaytrading.com program. So I'm telling you, get there now. Trydaytrading.com presents Utah Jazz Talk on the Monty Show. Um, come on now. What do you got? Man, what you talking about? Jeremy Bolton says, don't worry, Eric. See, Caruso is finishing the job by himself by walking out on the court. Steve Kerr, <laughs> Steve Kerr says the other day, I wish I had you on my team. Okay. Yeah, just saying. The only thing exciting about the Jazz was Quinn Snyder's hairdos. Now they are exciting as milk toast. I actually think milk this team's toast. I actually think this team's pretty compelling. Yeah. I mean the, the Jazz are compelling, no doubt. Yeah. Neville says you guys don't think that Mitchell will make it past the second round this time being with the Cavs. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah, I don't know. The Bucs won't mind being dogs. Nobody thought much of them when they won their last chip, their only chip. Thank you. Uh, Eric C says, thanks, Mayor. See, Jeremy Bolton's the mayor of Monty Town. Mayor of Monty Town, right? The mayor of Monty Town. Uh, let's get you the very latest on BYU. BYU. Uh, because BYU uh, has hired Jay Hill to be the defensive coordinator. I mean, we've talked about this for two hours this morning. I mean, like, is it excitement? Is it anticipation? How do you feel about this? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit of excitement, but more anticipation. Like, just like Donovan Mitchell, I need to see Jay Hill perform, and I need to see it on the field, and it needs to materialize into being able to stop the run and prevent the deep shot. Like, those are the two things that this defense really struggled with last year, and I think that it's it's cool to see these guys joining the program, and I love what Kalani's doing, and I love... Program. I love the addition of these guys, but I, I, you know, I, I just always have reservations about just how positive to be because, again, if, if you don't have the NIL money and you can't be as aggressive as you'd like to be in the portal, that's going to be interesting. So we'll see how aggressive they are. I mean, I, what I do know is Jay Hill is a damn good recruiter, and he can get kids the traditional way too. And I think that that's what, if there was anything that was exciting, that's what would be exciting. It's a million bucks a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, reports are that BYU is paying uh, Jay Hill a million dollars a year to be the DC. That's a lot of money. I mean, they, they need to win games. Um, but I also wonder what the recovery process looks like. And 
I, uh, recovery feels like the right word because I feel like there are some there's some damage done at BYU, yeah. and I think it is. I don't know. Is it a loss of confidence or a loss of trust coming out of last season, this season? You know, this season that just ended. It's crazy to say that, right? But I mean, with Elisa Tuiaki, you know, Ed, you know, Ed Lamb is gone. Like all these guys are gone. And you just wonder to yourself, okay, how much damage was done to the program uh, by leaving guys like Elisa Tuiaki in in position far too long? Mm -hmm. And I think it was a lot. And I think Jay Hill fixes some of that going forward. But the Fano brothers leaving BYU is a huge problem. Like it is a it is a huge problem. Yeah. And you know, reaching out to people over the last couple of days, like it, it just feels like that there is restoration that has to be done on the on the on the defensive side of the ball with the guys that are still here. And I think that's a huge problem. You know, you you look at you know, the Max Tooleys of the world, you look at some of the the guys that are leaving, like Logan Fano hurts that he's leaving. I like that kid is a stud. I mean, he is somebody that was a four star coming out, um, could have really written his own ticket, chose BYU, you know, goes and serves his mission, comes back and tears his ACL right out of the gate in the spring. And now you're finally feeling like, okay, we're gonna get this kid on the field. And now Spencer Fano decides to flip his commit from BYU to Utah, and now Logan's in the portal. And it's just, it's a huge body blow for this program because those are two really talented kids. Like, yeah. do you really want to see those guys on the field at BYU? Is that something that Jay Hill can fix? I doubt that. I really doubt that. I mean, those are, we again, I think the best example is in Nakua is we, brothers want to play together. Yeah, of course. You know, so yeah. And, and, and so I feel like, you're looking at a situation where I don't know that the, the the clock can be unwound. I think that I think it's over at this point. Yeah. If I'm BYU, I'm I am aggressively working the portal and I am spending a ton of money in recruiting this year. Yeah, you have to push forward. I yeah. mean that, that's just what you have to do. And and I think that, you know, it really helps push forward when you have fresh blood in the program. Like that's just that's just a reality of it. That's how football works. Like when you get a new name, a fresh face, new voice, like that should be exciting times. And hopefully they can go out and, and rock the boat and make waves and sign guys out of the portal and do those things. I, I would be surprised if they didn't. But but again, that's why I say like you have to have you have to keep yourself in check until they get talent and they and it feels like it's all come together for that first week one game. Yeah. Salty drunk's upset that we're talking BYU. He says, with all due respect, you did two hours of this already. It's repetitive. Well, well you know because, what, dude? It's the biggest story in sports in Utah, and and that's where we are. Yeah, and, I mean, we've had we've had well over a thousand people watch this show. Like, there's new people that come to the show all the time. I mean, it's the way the, the game is played. Like, I get it. You're not a, you're not a football guy, dude. I I understand, and I. How love many days have here. we done three day three hours of like, jazz talk? Yeah, like I, I think you, you need to have an appreciation for for what's happening in the landscape in sports in Salt Lake City. Yeah, look at Ruff's official actually being positive today. Jay Hill is a great pick. Wow. I agree he is. Uh, Calvin Johnson says, Detmer was fired after one bad season. Tuiaki was given half a dozen bad seasons before Sataki acted. Well, one, I think the Tiesman was forced on. Is forced on the right word? I think Kalani did not hire Ty Detmer. And I think that's why he was terminated so quickly. Yeah. Elisa Tuiaki is 
a, a brother to Kalani Sataki. There's no doubt about that. So you're going to have a longer leash when you have that darn near familial relationship with the head coach. Yeah. You know, so, you know. Uh, Agate Island says, wait a minute, it's more likely that the brakes were pumped on Nua once it was becoming clear that Hill was an option. Nah, I don't think th- I don't think so. I think that Jay Hill and Sean Newer were going to be here no matter what. Um, if you hired Sean Newer to be your DC, I think you were going to hire Jay Hill to be your assistant head coach and special teams coordinator. And I think that when I look at Sean Newer, Sean Newer was telling people that he had been offered the DC job yeah. by Kalani. But I think there is no doubt in my mind that Sean Nua, if he was an active member with a Temple Recommend, he'd be here. There's just no doubt about that, yeah. A-Gate. I, don't, I, I mean, I, maybe I'm wrong. I absolutely could be wrong. He says, uh, I don't think the Temple Recommend status had anything to do with it. But then how do you, how do you, how do you look at the staff? How many guys on the staff right now are active LDS members? Yeah. More to the point, how many guys on the staff at the coordinator level don't have a Temple Recommend? And how many of them aren't here? Right. I think that's a that's a big one. Uh, Greg Romano says all BYU needs to do uh, to be in a bowl game next year is beat Sam Houston, Southern Utah, and beat four Big Twelve teams. I think uh, there are four Big Twelve teams that are beatable. Well, we'll find out. But I mean the 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 we, what we're finding out the hard way is that BYU's not deep. Yeah, they're not talented. And I think again we talked about this with Prime. My hope is that Jay Hill comes in and whacks the bottom 25% of this roster. My hope is that that Jay comes in and we have massive turnover on the defensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. Because defensively, especially up front, you're just not good enough. You are not good enough defensively. I mean, and, and the reason that that is is because you haven't had the level of professionalism on the coaching staff that you needed. You are not professional talent evaluators. You are not professional talent developers. That's been lacking at BYU. The level of recruiting has been lacking. There are kids on this on, on, the, on this team who don't belong as college football players. You've got to cut that out. I'm going to say this again. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, like yeah, and, it, and that's the Kalani thing, right? That's the Kalani thing all over again. Being too nice. Like, yeah. Like that's. I hope Jay Hill brings some of that edginess. Yeah. I mean. It just is what it is, you know, like CKS says, no, we want to see them on the field at Utah where you're going to with the Fano brothers. You're going to. Yeah, you're going to. Luis Capazzo says Salty's just being salty. And I appreciate you, Salty. True. Uh, Jaron Eccles. Good morning. Nice to see some moves made. BYU needs to make big decisions to stay competitive in the Big 12. Big, big decisions. Yeah. Big, big decisions. Uh, Brett Burnett says Detmer was was kind and walked away mutually. Mainly he wasn't the right fit at the moment. No, he was fired. Kalani Sataki and Tom Homo are in lockstep on many things. Ty Detmer's not one of them. And I've talked to many people directly involved in that situation. Mm-hmm. Ty wanted to continue. Ty wanted to continue. He was forced out because Kalani wanted to bring in his guy. And he did that. And I think that everybody on this staff has done a really good job. I still maintain A-Rod's got some proving to do. Because I do agree that John Beck's had more influence on the quarterback position than A-Rod has. 
That's just the reality. I mean, yeah. when when you look at what Zach Wilson's done at BYU and then you look at what Jaron Hall did, what's the common denominator? Well, the common denominator is John Beck and Tom House. Yeah. That's the common denominator. Um, you know, that that's that's what I would say. Uh, salty Drunk says, Jake, don't get salty if a longtime loyal subscriber offers constructive criticism. Uh, well, I don't think Jake was getting salty with you. I think the reality is we... This show is the the biggest sh- sports talk show in Utah for a reason. Yeah, hundred fifty seven thousand people watch this show a month in the state, and that's because we generally are on the biggest stories in sports. So I'm not being salty with you, but it's business, you know. And I think that you know, if we're really getting down to it, the Jazz haven't exactly been scintillating the last five games. Well, and the Jazz have been off for four days, and there's a lot of fan apathy right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Brett Burnett says BYU is a mess and BYU agrees so not much to debate about changes needed. Uh, I don't disagree with right, that. And that's what I think we all genuinely, generally agree on is that, yeah, change was needed. <laughs> wow. The Nye guy says as the soaking senior statesman. Right. I'm wondering what Tanner's take on this is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. San Diego State says just having my coffee. Appreciate you, bud. boy. Good to see you. Brett Burnett, Utah found out it was a mess and almost got rid of Coach Dub. Yeah, remember that. I'm an idiot. Uh, Utes just needed patience, which rarely exists as the results are demanded. Truth. Correct. <laughs> but this whole thing, by the way, I want to put this graphic back up. Because this whole thing about TV ratings, <laughs> did you guys see this graphic? These are the TV ratings from the championship game of each conference. Right. Total viewership. Right. Conference championships per Snowbuzz Daily. And pull up that that Harlan tweet. Yeah. The SEC championship game with LSU versus Georgia. 10 point, let's call it 10.9 million. The Big Ten with flipping Purdue versus Michigan. 10.7 million. The Big 12. With Manhattan, Kansas, and a small following of TCU, who, as it was pointed out earlier on the show, doesn't sell out their 40,000-seat stadium. Uh-huh. 9.4 million viewers. And then the Pac-12, who broke viewership records for the Pac-12 championship game, Utah-USC. Right. 5.9 <coughs> million viewers. <coughs> So you broke all-time records, and it's only five point nine million. Yeah, and that's what I don't understand. That's that's what I that's what I really struggle with. You look at these numbers, and and you and you start to see the comparison. Like you know, again, as we were talking about earlier in the week, like we did a we did a, a question earlier this week, like who's better, the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve? On the football field, I think the Pac twelve right now is better. But I look at business and I say, uh, dude. Like, like, how are you ignoring the fact that twice as many people watch the SEC as as do watch the Pac-12? And and to me, I just don't understand why, like, why this is rocket science for like Mark Harlan or or George Klyovkov or George Klyovkov. Any of these please. dudes, like, it's Klyovkov, please. Yeah, George Klyovkov. Like, how is it this difficult? to understand that you're not doing good enough. And and I don't mean to be ultra negative on this, but damn, dude, like like at some point you got to figure out 
how to get this viewership up. You know, like at some point you have to say, hey, yes, our TV deal is going to get better. Yes, we are going to get seen by more people looking at this graphic on the screen. The SEC is running circles around you, man. And the real shame in it is, is you have power brands in the Pac-12. Yes, like that's do. the shame. Like, like you look at Oregon. I understand Oregon did a lot of losing this year, and Oregon, you know, didn't live up to it this year. Totally with that. But the fact is, is they routinely lead the Pac-12 in viewership. But wait, but then there's Mark Harlan's tweet. The athletic director at Utah, John Kurtz. It says the Pac-12 had a standalone game on a Friday night with huge playoff implications. Is USC in the playoff or out? With huge playoff implications and their biggest brand playing and was almost three and a half million viewers behind two non-Oklahoma, Texas Big 12 teams. To which Mark Harlan says, we're not leaving. Right. You're not leaving. Sure. You're not leaving when you're like... Are you serious? You're almost my fucking ass. You're almost fifty percent behind at the SEC in the Big Ten. Come on. If you ain't first, you're last. Like, are you serious? And you're almost four million viewers behind the freaking Big Twelve. And then pull up the other one right above that. TV views for 2022. This is what I think is hilarious. Look at that. TV views. These are the the. And if you look at the the swath. Right? These are um, a look at the top 10 college football programs, programs with the most TV views in 2022. Ohio State, 70 million. Why do you think they're in the college football playoff? Uh, Michigan, 70 million. Alabama, Roll, 62 million. Georgia, 53 this million. Tennessee, 50. LSU, 49. Notre Dame, 39. Penn State, TCU. TCU had 36.3 million. By the way, stop me when I get to the uh, Pac-12 team. Texas, 35 million. Clemson, 35 million. But you go down here and look at the ACC championship game. 3.4 million viewers. Those, what were those all Clemson grads? And then I, you want to tell me that, that we're not leaving the Pac-12. My ass, you're not leaving the Pac-12. The, the football landscape is going to leave Utah behind if that's the case. And this is the problem with George Klyovkok. You're casual. You're just not good at your job. You're just not good at your job. It's embarrassing, dude. It, it, it's crazy. CKS says Harlan said that. No, he didn't say that. He tweeted it. He tweeted it. Like, it's, I, I, I don't understand. And, and Come on. Again, I am all for... Stability. I am all for growth mindset. If you're a member of the Pac-12, are you not wholly hanging on to you every last pube that UCLA stays in the conference? Donnie, you're like you're your just element. like grasping at their short and curlies. Like, please stay, God. Let this follicle hang on. Yeah. What if UCLA? What if the Board of Regents next week on the what is that Wednesday the fourteenth? You're desperate for them to make some Hail Mary that they're not going to make, I don't think, to get UCLA to stay in the Pac-12. Yeah. You kidding me? Oh. Code but according to Klyovkok, nobody he's talked to. Well, I don't want anybody. I'm talking to God. Nobody's I haven't told talked to me. a single athlete. Nobody told me that they're in favor of the move. I doubt that.
93% of UCLA student-athletes think it's important to be in the same conference as USC. That would be the Big Ten. And then remember, Cleav Cox's argument is, well, well, you know, Cal and UCLA have a long history and tradition of knob All right, we're going to move on here. Uh, Come 24% on. of them believe it's important to be in the same conference as UC Berkeley. Fuck out of me. UC Berkeley, please. Get out of here. Well, nobody I've talked to. Nobody I've talked to. Well, nobody I've talked to. How many UCLA coaches and athletes have you spoken with to assess their thoughts on the move to the Big Ten? Uh, I think saying hundreds would be an exaggeration. Dozens, more than 100. Um, and I have yet to talk to anyone at, in the UCLA and USC community who's in favor of the move. I will say that I probably hear from folks who are not in favor, right? Not surprisingly. <laughs> Get the hell out Hello? of here with that, dude. I'm nobody I've talked to, and I've talked to millions. Get the hell out of here. You know, I was... Schemers trying to control their little world. I was walking around Westwood, and they were telling me John Wooden's the best as a conference of champions. We don't want UCLA to leave, please. Keep lying about right now the back envelopes, cockface. I don't know what you're talking about, I. Like, are you serious Come with this, dude? Come on, dude. Are you serious? Are you, are you serious really with this, despicable. dude? Come on, man. Come on, man. Like, George Klyovkok and the Pac-12 are a joke. Yeah. It's, it's embarrassing at this point. It's ridiculous. Absolutely embarrassing. You know, it is what it is. Uh, let's see. Ruff's official says the other games were on Saturday afternoon and the Pac-12 game was on Friday night. More, no, stop. It was the only game on Friday night, the primetime game. Oh, but it's USC. We'll have a huge audience. Fight off. Like you had USC, your <coughs> biggest program. Excuse me. Program. <coughs> you uh, Against Utah. And and don't forget, you know, Dr. Chris Hill. Well, all of our alumni are in the Bay Area. Uh, don't forget F Utah, right? Right? Don't forget. So will we have said the same thing if Oregon was in? Dude, it was Friday night, exclusive window, national TV. They should have done a much larger number, but you're a small conference that doesn't have a lot of pull. That's who you are. That's who you are, right? I, I, look, if you, that, that, no. The joke. Dude, it has nothing to do with Saturday afternoon. How many parents are at their soccer games on Saturday afternoon? That's an issue. Come on now. That they, okay. Uh, Salty Drunk says, okay, you have my attention now with well, TV ratings. Man, thank you. UC Regent Gumby says, my appetite is ruined. And mine's not. Um, Kendall, uh, Kendall Dean says, Harlan is a joke or, a t or totally clueless. Probably totally Agreed. clueless. Agreed. You know. Uh, Bo Body says, BYU is a complete joke. Okay. They have much higher TV numbers than, than you do. But they're a joke. I know nobody watches. Nobody watches. Nobody. Uh, Ron Nolan says, can't wait to see Prime rolling out of the Rocky uh, Mountain foothills in his snow-covered Hummer. He looks so sporting in those furry earmuffs and mittens. Sporting. Sporting. Okay. I, like, how many wins for Colorado next year? Seven. I think they go 12-0. and 0. I think six or seven would be a great year yeah. for Colorado. I do. I mean, it, it is, it is going to be really interesting to see exactly how that all plays out. Yeah. Okay.
851. Can we talk a little? By the way, by the way, Aaron Judge is a New York Yankee once more. Nine years, 360 milli. Yep, getting paid. Phillies get Taiwan Walker on a four-year, $72 million deal, which is stupid money. I mean, I, I the problem is Aaron Judge doesn't fix the Yankees. He does not solve the problems that the Yankees have, and that's pitching. Yeah, but he also helps you win some games too. Well, certainly. Did you guys see that Boston signed Kenley this morning to a two-year deal? No, that's good. Kenley Jansen's now a Boston Red Sox. Yeah. They, they've had trouble. That's a good pickup. I mean, listen, I think the the NL East is going to be a problem. Yeah. I think it is. I mean, Verlander to the Mets is a huge coup. Uh, I think you look at the Phillies, just keep spending that bread, dude. Bread. That bread. I mean, I, I am Trey Turner. It's shocking. Yeah. Hell of a deal. Hell of a deal. Trey Turner's a Philadelphia but really smart. Really smart. You got to be solid up the middle, you know? And Real Muto, Hoskins. Bryce is a DH coming off of the Tommy John. Uh, I, I mean, you look at Trey Turner. I mean, that that team is Gene Segura. That team's unbelievable. I don't know. Is he back in Philly? I think he is. I can look. I mean, it, Philly. The East is going to be. But what about Dansby Swanson? The, the Cubs are said to be the leader on Dansby. X Factor guy, dude. We'll see. I love baseball. I do love baseball. I mean, I, I think, and, and I'm a diehard Cub fan. For those of you who don't know, yeah. And it's, Gene Segura plays second base for them. Still. Yep. Yeah, I would Google so search. So they're, they're, no, I, that's here. I'm looking at it. Yeah, no, you're looking at their depth chart from last yeah. year. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, I'll be interested to see what happens with Gene Segura. I'll be interested to see, like, look, it, it, if you look at what Philly is and you look at the money that Philly has spent, I, I, I mean, it is, it is shocking. Yeah. The deals, Trey Turner's deal. For a 29-year-old is 11 years. Yeah, I was surprised by that. $300 million. Taiwan Walker leaves the Mets for the Phillies on a four-year deal. Right? You, you, I just, I'm amazed by that. They lose Zach Eflin, but they pick up Matthew Strom. Right? Big one. I, I don't mind that at all. But you look at some of these other deals, like they're losing Syndergaard. Gene Sakura is a free agent. Absolutely a free agent. I mean, Corey Knebel, like they, they, there's a lot of work yet to be done, and you just went 11 years and 300 million, 300 million, and I mean, you're probably the best team in that division. The Mets, though, I mean, Justin Verlander's a huge pickup for the Mets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's going to be an exciting division. It, it has been and will continue to be, and I, and I think that you know you have your haves and you have nots, and I think the Mets have to prove that they're a have because right now they're a have not. You know what I mean? Like, they just haven't done enough yet. I mean, Edwin Diaz uh, re-signing there, I think, was was huge. But you had Justin Verlander to replace Taiwan Walker? Yeah. God damn. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big one. Jose Quintana. Quintana. I, I mean, their their pitching is, is going to be good. Denny Reyes on a minor league deal. Like, their pitching is going to be good. Yeah. I'm super stoked. I love baseball. Yeah. Ruff's official says, let's go Yankees. Uh, or no, Talking with Raphael podcast. On PBS Radio. What's up, Raph? Hope the kid's well. Uh, Ruff's official says the Utah Pioneers. Okay. Tanner Plummer says no Ruffs. It has been an outside-the-box name like the Utah Jazz. What are we even talking as a baseball, about? As a baseball team. Oh. In Utah. 
Uh, Kendall Dean says, not sure SLC is big enough market for a Major League Baseball team. I don't think it is. If we could get an NBA team, yeah, that would be awesome. You know. Okay. Um, what sport would work here? The NFL would not work here. It's not an NFL market. No, I think it's the NHL, man. I think it's the I, NHL. I, I think the NHL at the Viv would be incredible. I think it's the NHL for sure. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, go uh, Rockies. <laughs> no, not the Chris <laughs> Bryant thing work out. Yeah, the old Todd Helton. Do you know how difficult it is to be a Chicago sports fan right now? Like, I'm a fan of Notre Dame. We suck. I'm a fan of the Chicago Bulls. We're terrible. I'm a fan of the Chicago <coughs> Bears. We're <coughs> awful. Uh, I'm a fan of the Chicago Blackhawks. <coughs> We're terrible. And I'm a fan of the Chicago Cubs. <coughs> oh, neat. Cody Bellinger, he'll strike out 100 times wearing Cubs pinstripes. Cool. Could have had that in Castellanos, but you didn't want to pay him. Yeah. So he went to Philadelphia. All right, cool. Hey, thanks for coming. Good talk. Right. <laughs> All right. Can we talk about crypto? Yeah. So where are you at on crypto, folks? There have been a number of layoffs. Podium is is just the beginning. They're just the beginning. <laughs> um, podium amongst others. Right. Are, they're laying people off. And the thing I don't understand is you're laying people off and you're a billion-dollar company as of January 2022. Right. And you're laying people off, Podium. You're laying people off at Route. Route is a tech company that uh, works with e-commerce companies to track packages and direct shoppers to other potential purpose, uh, purchases. Right. You have all MX laying people off. Like you have all these Silicon Slope companies laying people off. And my question is, hey, this is all e-commerce, which is still booming. So why are you really having liquidity problems? No. Are you bad at your job? Podium is not bad at their job. Clearly not. Are you bad at your job? I don't think you're bad at your job. You look at somebody like Route. Route laid off at least 25 people who posted on LinkedIn about their experience of being let go by the company. Route's senior vice president of strategy wrote on LinkedIn yesterday that Route had to conduct layoffs after what has been a whirlwind few years in e-commerce. <coughs> oh, you meant crypto. That's kind of my guess. Because if I look at where we are in crypto right now, and let's just focus on Bitcoin. What have we been telling you about Bitcoin? Ooh. If Bitcoin goes under 20,000, heads are going to roll. Bitcoin this morning is at 16,845. This is a code 10 abort. What did I tell you a year ago? What did we tell you when we were going doge to the moon? And it's going to go into crisis lockdown mode here at the house. You got to get out of crypto. Yeah. And none of these people did. And I think when you look at major tech companies and layoffs, Amazon's probably a good one. Amazon's laying off under the cloud of, hey, we want to restructure. Well, and I think most people accept the fact that Amazon got really fat during, you know, the pandemic. But I don't think they're laying people off because they got fat. Amazon's layoffs are in devices. Like Amazon Alexa. They've lost billions and billions and billions of dollars. You're so fucked. 
it just got to a point where Andy Jassy said, I'm not going to keep throwing bad money after bad money. We're, we're, we're pulling back. Um, Laid off people and devices. And there's a trickle-down effect on that. When you're laying off people and devices, there's infrastructure to support that division. Recruiters, headhunters, HR people. Right. Okay. Retail. They laid off people in retail. Why'd they lay off people in retail? For whatever reason, they thought having Amazon Prime store locations was a good idea. You know. And I think the, the, the Whole Foods acquisition probably did not go as they planned. I, well, I don't think probably. It didn't go as they planned. Right. So Andy Jassy, the CEO at, at Amazon, after the blue penis rocket ship guy, Andy Jassy took over. Yeah. And he essentially has, has said, we're going to stop throwing bad money after bad money. Are they stopping? And they've, they've got divisions. But is AWS laying off hundreds of people? They're not. Is is the our warehouses closing across the country and they're laying people off? They're not. They're being really smart about it. Whereas a company like Podium or these other tech companies that are laying off without real explanations, oh, it's just been crazy in e-commerce. <laughs> I look at this crypto thing. And again, I just ask, what made you think that Doge was actually going to the moon? Biggest kick in the balls you'll ever get. And what made you think against all odds, projections, forecasts of actual people who handle money that Bitcoin is where your money should be, that Ethereum is where your money should be? Before you wreck it. You do. Because I don't understand what the obsession with crypto is. Because it's never succeeded. Never. Success in commodities is long-term growth, consistent Hey, yeah, you know, we're going to be down for a month, but, you know, you look at, at, at any stock. Hey, they're going to have periods of downtime, but overwhelmingly, that market's going to grow, and yeah. it's going to grow, and it's going to turn up. Razzle, dazzle. That's never been the case with Bitcoin. Yeah. Never. Yeah. If you look at Bitcoin over a five-year period, I mean, you're looking at 3,000. In 2019, it was at 3,400. Right. Right in 2020, it was at 93.82. Okay, we're up. Okay, then it took a huge dip down to 51.65. Uh oh. Ah, but it'll come back. Slow climb, slow climb. Oh my God, it is at 64,400 in November. A year ago, it was at 60,000, 64,400. You know, and we told you when it got to 35. I even remember having this conversation. Bitcoin's at 35, man. And where are we today? 16,837. And there is no sign that it is on the rise. How is that even possible? And so we're watching these Bitcoin investors who quit their job to invest in Bitcoin. And this guy's like, well, I had 20 coins and now I'm down to two. I'm fucked. And it's like, well, why is that, sir? Because you're (laughs) investing in something that's not real. Yeah, dude. Man. Yes. And and again, I'm just going to sit here and beg you to get out of crypto. Get out of crypto. Yeah. That or make me a compelling argument why you shouldn't. Because I can real. It's not real. <laughs> it's not real. Yeah. And, and, and I just, I want to understand what the obsession with crypto in this town is. Yeah. And, and I think that people, it was cool. It was a cultural hit. It wasn't actually a financial hit. That's the thing. And so everyone was like, oh, I got to get crypto. I got to get crypto. It's like UPS opening a store in the metaverse, right? Like, cool, neat. I'm not the, going metaverse to the metaverse is something else. You're paying, 
Half a million dollars to, to own the metaverse land next to Snoop Dogg. <coughs> are you crazy? Yeah, I think you are. Ken Williams says crypto's a scam. Mike Phillips says crypto is an MLM for dude bros. Multi-level marketing. Um, Tyler P says, didn't we already learn that crypto is just uh, fronts for funding politicians? It is. For all kinds of things, not even just politicians. Yeah. Nothing says prosperity for the future like NFTs, which is, again, something I don't understand. Like you have. (laughs) The thing that kills me is, oh, well, get your Utah Jazz NFTs. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You know, it's the holiday season. There's never been a better time to spend. Spend's not the word I would use. There's never been a better time to burn your money on Utah Jazz NFTs. On non-fundable tokens. What? Like, wh- wh- why? Help Y'all me. about to fuck this up. Provo Cougar fans. So day trading is in crypto is not such a great idea. I would not be day trading in crypto. Well, I actually think you can day trade in crypto, but you better... Better know what you're doing. You better know what you're doing. Man. Yeah. Uh, 87 Method says all Bitcoin is crypto, but not all crypto is Bitcoin. Correct. Uh, saying it's a scam is a fundamental misunderstanding of not only the technology, but the mission of it. There's no mission of, of crypto. There's no mission of Bitcoin. Yeah, well, please, please enlighten us with the mission statement. Whatever, and listen, blockchain is very different than crypto. Yeah. Blockchain is very different than Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency, in my opinion, is, is a dude bro thing. I agree with that. It's like, oh, hey, man, you know, here over here at my uh, favorite Silicon Slopes tech company, we all got in on Doge. You just gave a gift to the Russians. That's what it feels like. Hey, I'm in on Doge. You know, I, I put 10000 in the Doge. You, you, you coming? Yeah, no, that's not going to happen. This is like your favorite Starbucks order. Well, Vinte Mocha Latte Frappuccino, your mom. Oh, yeah, I'll have a, uh, I'll have a cup of black coffee, please. Oh, do you mean a chai latte Vinte Mocha? Yeah. No, I just want a black coffee. Right, that's what I said. That's what this is. Uh, I put 10 grand into crypto or in the, in, in whom, so you're going to put 10 grand into who, that's what this is. The original mission, like, get out of here. When was the last time that, when was FTX on the original mission? Good luck. When was crypto.com on the original mission? When is, well, the blockchain, Monty's about security. Okay, well, where is that in the FTX scandal? Oh, it's in the Bahamas with all the FTX houses? That's probably a good point. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Ron Nolan says crypto is faith-based. I agree with that. Uh, San Diego State says biotech, housing, casinos, internet, and many other sectors. Now crypto. Bubbles regularly form in markets. Someone at or near the top always gets burned. Not a mystery to me. Well, what I'm telling you is I know what's going to happen in real estate. I know right now today. I can go out and I can buy a house and I can make money on it. If I go out and buy crypto, am I going to make money on it? No. Nope. Probably not. That's the difference. Like you look at casinos. Yeah. I at least know that I'm throwing my hundos and Benjis into the But you're just okay with it. You're okay with it. Dilly dilly. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I am okay with it. I am. 
Uh, talking with Raphael Podcast. On the New Skin Radio Network. I think Bitcoin for me was a uh, step closer to futuristic fictional world of flying cars. Well. As is stealing from Walmart. <coughs> Did you guys hear this story? So first of all, let me ask you this. In the comments here on YouTube. Yeah. Do you still like going to the store? The, the only store I go to regularly is Harmon's. That's it. I only shop at Harmon's. You are, if you see me at a, if you see me at like a Walmart or a Target, especially at Walmart, it's like you going down to the deepest part of the ocean on the entire globe and finding like some species that nobody's ever heard of before. Because it ain't just going to happen. Or you're in Hawaii. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Right? I, I'm not going to Walmart. If you see me there, you should be like, God damn. I'm going to get medieval on your ass. Better get a picture of that. I don't go to Walmart. Right. I despise going to Target. Honey. No, I, no I'm not going. Now, you, you want me to go? I might go to like Best Buy. Not really. Only store I go to. And I was thinking about it, and I'm trying to figure out sometimes the clothing store, sometimes buy most of my clothes online. Groceries are the only thing I go and shop for. Right. Not even Foot Locker anymore. No. Do you hear about this, this story at Walmart? The CEO of Walmart, Joey Walmart, whatever his name is, the CEO at Walmart says, we are going to start closing stores because we are getting robbed blind People are going into Walmarts. It's such a clip in shoplifting that it is becoming a win-loss proposition. It is becoming a P&L problem at Walmart because of all of the shoplifting. Um, Have you ever stolen anything from a store? Nope. I tried once, but I flipped out as a kid. I wanted to steal a wiffle ball bat Good luck. from Ace Hardware in Northbrook, Illinois. Yeah. Or True Value. It was True Value. I just steal a wiffle ball bat and a ball from True Value. And I'll never forget the old guy walking up in his leather True Value apron. Hey, Stoney, you need some help with that? It's like, no, I'm good. That's as close as I ever got to stealing. <laughs> but I can't imagine going into a Walmart, and you can't tell me this is all poverty. No. Because the other thing about this is, and I'm going to get to this in a minute because this kind of plays into the crypto story, but I don't believe this is all poverty. Why are people stealing from Walmart? Is it as simple as because you can? Probably. I think it probably is. Is there some people who just can't afford it? Sure. Is there a Max Hall in the world who's shoplifting to feed a drug habit? Absolutely. But are you really telling me this is all while well, these people are poor and indigent? And I don't think so, but I, I mean, I, I, it's like it's a little bit of both. But I think that there are always people out there who are going to scheme to get what they want. I, you really think so? Yeah, hundred percent. I, first of all, I don't want to be around those people. This is why I don't go to Walmart. Second of all, I, I, I just don't understand the concept. Now, again, knock on wood, I am much better off than 99.9% .9 of the people. I can't imagine getting to a place where I have to go into Walmart and steal stuff. I'm a man. I, I and, and then I'm like, okay, where am I selling that? 
Because you can't tell me they're stealing donuts <laughs> or beer. Yeah. Aren't you stealing things you go and resell? Aren't you stealing beauty products? Aren't you stealing vitamins? That's Aren't you stealing electronics? Right? Whatever it is you're stealing, you're going to resell it, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, because what good is it to you if it, you know if you don't resell it? Like, That's what I'm saying. So as you're watching this show, um, all 159 of you, go ahead and hit the like button because it really helps the show grow. And then answer me: What have you stolen? And, and maybe you, what store do you like to shop at? Because I agree, I'm not a Walmart guy. Target for sure, and Harmons for sure. Target and Harmons for sure. Yeah, I am not a Target guy. Yeah. Is it? Am I, I? I almost feel bad saying this out loud. Do I hate people? Yeah, on some level, you don't like being out in crowds. I would guess, or like packed stores or obnoxious stores. But I wasn't uncomfortable at the Jazz game. No. But that's a place you want to be. I'm not uncomfortable at the Grizzlies games. Right. But but my point is, is the crowd at Target is obnoxious or pretentious. I think I hate people. I think I hate being around people in retail situations. Yeah. I, I think that's the way I would say it. People are not obnoxious. I generally like people. But I just don't know more bots in the chat. This has been terrible today. Bro. Today has See, been the... You start talking about crypto. I think you might be right. <laughs> Today has been the worst bot day that we've had in I don't know how long. Um, but anyway, my point is, my point is, I, I, I think maybe I just don't like being around people. Anymore. And why do you think that is? I think it started with the, the pandemic. Okay. Just like people coughing and not Like we were walking it. out of CVS last night. Mrs. Monty has a broken arm. So we tried, she wanted to take a shower. Right. But when you have a broken arm, she has a broken upper arm. So I wanted to make sure she had a sling on it all the time. And so she was going to shower in a sling. So we go into CVS. We get our sling. We're walking out and this dickhead walks in and he coughs like right in my face. That's what I hate. Uh -huh. You're a jerk. Cover, cover your mouth, man. Yeah. That's what I hate. And I, I feel it. Well, you know what it feels like at Walmart? Walmart feels like. They're going to tear the box off the case of cereal and just let it sit in the middle of the floor. Mm -hmm. Then everyone's going to go and try and eat some of it. Yeah, it feels crowded. It feels yeah. dirty. Yeah. It, like, I just don't like the way it feels. You know the problem at Target? I, I, I don't like that mom lets little Jimmy and Jennifer run all over the place. I don't like that it you is know. always packed to the gills when I'm in there. Right. I just don't like it. I, I It just, it does feel hoity-toity at Target. It does. Yeah. I mean, Target is a is a rich man's Walmart. That's what it is. I don't know. It is. 100%. That could be. Hey, hey, uh, let's see. San Diego State Aztec says, I hit that like button like 90 minutes ago. Don't judge me. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. UC Regent Gumby says, records uh, from my youthful activities are sealed. Yeah, it's classified. Ron Nolan says, I once stole a turkey from Safeway. You did. How? Do you just watch? Like, I know the number one, uh, what they call shrink in retail. The number one shrink in retail or where they're losing product out the door is self-checkout. And I honestly, I've not paid for things at self-checkout, not intentionally, but I, it must be half a dozen times at Home Depot. Yeah. Or like, but I don't ever use self-checkout. I, I, I think it's terrible. Um... But I guarantee you that I guarantee you that's happened. Yeah, you know, little Jizzy. 
says, Monty, the only thing you're capable of stealing is my heart. Oh, that's so nice and cute and romantic. <laughs> uh, Sharon Eccles says, I once stole a certain water gun from Walmart. Oh, Would that is that a, so? A super soaker? Justin right, Sala says, when I was 12, I stole a pack of Pokemon cards. I only shop at HEB and Lowe's. Oh, HEB is such a luxury. It is. It's so good. Tanner Plummer says, Mission... I had a comp who would lie so that he could guilt trip members of the local congregation to get him stuff. Really? That had to be frustrating. Okay. Nice. You know. Sick. Um, Chris Paul's back against the Celtics. Neat. I'm sure he'll be available for a game and then go out the rest of the year. A game, a quarter. A quarter. Teddy Wayman says Smiths or Harmons for me. I don't like Smiths all that much. It's just okay. Yeah, it's not that great. It's not that great. Cody Strickland says, I walked out with a gallon of milk from Walmart, made it to my car and realized, took it back to walk to the guy greeting and told him I walked out without paying. I, was, I would like to pay for it. Oh, that's so nice, Cody. So virtuous. Uh, UC Regent says, I love self-checkout. What a blessing. It's so bad for the employer and the employee. I stole my wife's heart. Oh. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, Utah is filled with good people who don't steal compared to some of the big cities some of us have lived in. Well... Yep. And you lived internationally. I can tell you I've lived in cities where theft is ran. I've watched people steal stuff from stores. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that. You know. San Diego State says Walmart's a better experience when you go do it like the Gap Band early in the morning. Yeah, I'm not going at peak. Dude, you're asking for trouble going at peak. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Jeremy Severe says it's greed. There's Deseret Industry stores whose purpose is to get people used use stuff that need. There are businesses who raid DI on the good stuff and resell it. Yes, there is. You know, the funny thing is, though, about all of this, and this is really what I wanted to get to. Are we really in a recession? I know that seems like a serious question. CNN breaking news. Are we really in the, a recession? The recession's bullshit. Like, are we really in a recession? The results are in, and they determined, no, we are not. If you think about a the recession... Yeah. And, you know, Mrs. Monty made a really good point yesterday when we were talking about this. She said it's a different recession. It'll never be the recession it used to be. I think we are in a sector recession, which is, hey, housing right now, there's a housing recession. But I think we're coming out of that. Mortgage rates are down. Prices are down. People are, are putting contracts on houses. They're still wildly overpriced, right? Yeah. But if you look at, you know, things like mortgage rates, you look at mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are down. How many people are tracking mortgage rates? How many people are like, oh, I know what the mortgage rate is. The average 30-year fixed is 666. Ooh, don't buy a house with that rate. That was five minutes ago. Today's mortgage rate is 6.6%. How many people realize that? Uh-huh. Like if you look at the, you know, Utah is ground zero. I mean, Boise, Boise, mm -hmm. housing prices absolutely tanked. Yeah. I don't believe we're on a full-blown recession. There Doesn't are, feel that way. You can get gas, you can get gas at 370 right now, right? You, you look at gas prices. And people prices. are still spending money. Like that's the thing. It's not like everyone's clammed up. And I'm trying to figure out what recession are you talking about? The U.S. national average gas price declined to $3.40 on Monday. Diesel prices have declined 13.6 cents in the last week and are at $5.06 per 
per gallon of diesel. Yeah. Gas Buddy says gas prices are lower than they sat a year ago. So what recession are we in? I think we're in a housing recession because there are jobs all over the place. We just had another unemployment. We're at 2% unemployment. Yeah. Oh, God, everybody's laying off. Whoever came up with that shit need to be fired. We're at 2% unemployment. And people that are losing jobs are able to get hired right now. I think their turnaround is less than six weeks. Yeah. If you want to work, you can work. 2% unemployment. What recession are we in? Yeah. What recession are we in? We're making more than we've ever made. People are working more than they've ever worked. That's true. But I don't believe we're in a full-blown recession. No, I mean, I don't think we're in like 2008 stuff. We're no. not, we're not, we're not. Absolutely we're not. not. We're not there. Absolutely not. I don't think there's any way, shape or form. I think when you look at, when you look at where we are in this economy. Yeah. I, I, I it's just not, a I don't believe dude. it. It's not like people are spending money. They're working. They're doing everything that they would normally do. You know, uh, let's see. Cody Strickland says, I'm not going to lie. Me and my family are hurting on the prices now. It sucks to get three bags of groceries of food from Walmart and it costs $80. 6.6 is insane. No, 6.6 is not insane. It's not insane. And this, this is the issue. We've talked about this. Yeah, we differ on this. 6.6 is not insane. You're pissed that you didn't get it at three yeah. when it was historically low. 6.6 is not historically high. Right. Are you, I, I paid less than 3% interest on my mortgage. I'm sorry that now it's 6.6% for people who aren't going to get three, but that's not historically high. That I, I, Like, if, if there was a time in this country not too long ago where if, he, if I just said you can get a mortgage at 6.6, boom, where do I sign up? The problem is that now... You're making a really good point. Food prices have not come down. Milk prices have not come down. Oh, well, same uh, supply chain. Screw you. You are gouging people. It's not supply chain anymore. The problem is those that have always will during things like the pandemic. Why am I going to lower my price? Because you paid it and people are still paying it for aluminum. And people are... Why are we lowering gas prices? You know what the funny thing about that is? Nobody knows. Nobody knows why gas prices were so high and now have come way down. Yeah. Because it ain't supply and demand, I can tell you that. It's not supply and demand. Yeah. We'll see. And that's the problem. There's too many question marks. Nobody knows how to label this. I'm just telling you. 6.6% is not gouging. Yeah. It's not. Cody Strickland says, I got it at 2875. 6.6 .6 is insane. 6.6 .6 is insane if you wanted three. That was unsustained. Do you, and this is the thing. I think a lot of people don't understand this. Why are we in a housing recession now? Because you can't sustain where we were at in housing. You can't have me. I live in Daybreak, and it's stupid what people paid for houses in Daybreak. You had a two-bedroom I think 1,600 square foot townhouse on a second sale, which means somebody owned it and then resold it, selling for $585,000 on a major street. Yeah. Not a tucked away in an enclave next to a lake where all the little duckies play. 585000 gets you a two-bedroom townhouse with a bath and a half 
on a major street in daybreak. Yeah. At 2.85%, we cannot sustain that. That house is worth $250,000. And the people buying it probably can't afford a $585,000 mortgage. So what did we see all across the country? Like exploding real estate prices. So what happened? Interest rates were way down. So exploding real estate prices because demand went through the roof. Oh, well, we got to do something about that because people are losing their asses buying $500,000 houses that are worth $200,000. And I I have been quite candid about this. The house I bought, I bought for $300,000. It was worth $315,000. I got it at $300,000. At the peak, it was almost at five ninety. It's not worth five hundred ninety thousand dollars. It's not. I love my house. The nice little palace, finished basement, nice little house. It ain't worth five hundred eighty-five thousand dollars. But did I like the greedy people run out and get a refi and oh, give me that cash out refi, please? No, because that's suicide. Having a five hundred eighty-five thousand dollar mortgage on a three hundred thousand dollar house is how we go bankrupt. So what I'm telling you is the problem isn't that, oh, 6.6 is gouging. It's not. We have normalized 2.85 because people don't understand how to buy real estate because we don't teach them how to buy real estate and we don't have good real estate professionals. Yeah. I feel better. Uh, Let's see. Inflation in the U.S. hit an all-time high 23.7% in June of 1920. I don't... I, Greg, you're one of the more smart guys. And, you know, frankly, because you lived in, in, on the Pacific Rim, you probably know this more than anybody. We are not a poor country. No. No, we're not. I don't believe we're in a full-blown recession. I do not. Yeah. I don't. Justin Salas says, my grandma got her mortgage at 12%. That's exactly right. San Diego State says, one home constructed translates to 20 jobs. A slowing housing market does impact certain areas which can... Uh, serve to slow economic growth. I agree with that. I agree with that. The problem is you look at what we're building now and we are, I, I still agree. And I think Chris Karn is the one who told us this many months ago. Like we're st- we still have a housing shortage, but how much high density housing are we going to build now? Because we don't have the water or the infrastructure or frankly, we don't have the environment to support it. So everybody's like, oh, we need more apartment buildings. Uh, no, we don't actually. Yeah. We need to make people understand, start your business, build wealth, buy a house of your own. Instead of, well, 28, I'm not paying 6.6%. That's gouging. I'll rent an apartment. Okay, cool. Because you'll still be there in 10 years. Because you think the apartment rents are going to go down? You think they're going to lower your apartment rent? They're not going to do that once you sign that lease. It only goes up. Never, notice they never say, okay, hey, you know, I know you got to renew your lease. Let's drop 100 bucks off your rent. Okay, cool. When's the last time that happened with your landlord? It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't happen that way. The problem is, yeah, I agree. We have a housing shortage. You know what the bigger issue is? We don't have the infrastructure to keep building. Yep. And we can keep on building. But when, when you wonder, well, where did the river in the canyon go? Where did the Great Salt Lake go? Where did all of our water resources go? Why are we finding dead bodies at the bottom of Lake Mead? It's because we, the, the, we're not overusing, we're not using exponentially more water with the same amount of people. It's a flip load more people, so the demand is way up for water. The, the, the water usage is way up. 
But think about the ripple effect of that. Not only the economy, because our farmers can't farm anymore, so farming is a dying breed. So now we're much more reliant on alfalfa farms and, and livestock than we are on, hey, you know, the, the Hispanic, you know, low-wage worker that's picking lettuce from a field. Well, that's a dying breed. Get me started. Yeah. Don't get me started, man. Uh, Piper, Pied Piper says medium density housing is where it's at. Okay. Kay Nuren says in 1984, we paid 9% for our home. Oh, 6.6 is gouging. It's not gouging. No, it's not. Yeah. We know that's the problem is we have so little, and we joke about this with you all the time because you don't think anything happened before 1983 or 93. Jesus, 83, you would be a totally different, well-rounded human being. Right. Um, you don't think anything happened before 93, but the truth is, I think we don't do a good job in this country of educating people. No. So we don't know about history. We don't know about economies. We don't know how to handle credit cards. Just have an opinion on what's in front of us. That's it. You know, it, that's exactly right. That's exactly right, Joshua. Life lessons from Uncle Monty. Yeah. Speaking of which, it's time to go. God damn it. It's 9.30. I'm hungry. Let's move on. You're fat. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling, by the way? You were not feeling Terrible. so well. Terrible right now. Okay. So real quick, are we going to talk yeah, about Taco talk Bell? about it. Yeah. Might as well. So... We leave here yesterday at one o'clock or whatever it was. We're like, okay, I'm hungry. Where are we going to go? Call Mrs. Monty, broken wing duck lady. And I was like, hey, uh, we're going to go get tacos. You want some? Sure. So we go to Taco Bell and spend $70. 6.6 is not high. $70 at Taco Bell is robbery, you (laughs) Give me my Chihuahua back. Anyway, I miss the Chihuahua Taco Bell commercials. So we go to Taco Bell. We spend 70 bucks. And it's a crunch wrap, a Mexican pizza, and like 800 tacos. It was literally four crunch wraps, a Mexican pizza, and 10 tacos, $78. And by the way, I feel like I have colon blow now. So Jake texts me. He's like, hey, man, I'm going to go to bed early tonight. Not feeling good. I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, the Taco Bell is ravaging me. <laughs> it is. Was. So he's like, I'm going to, he, he's like, pop that vitamin, pop that emergency because I'm not feeling good, man. And it wasn't even like I was like <laughs> crapping bad or anything. I just felt awful, awful, bro. Like, like stomach upset. Dude, that Taco Bell like, is ravaging dude, me. Dude, it's just, it's not good, man. Like, so this, he's this like, I'm why, But like, this is why I'm happy to take all the shit on, on eating the stuff that I like to eat. Because when I eat what I like to eat, well, I Chicken feel burrito good. place. I feel good. Like, so, um, so he's like, I'm going to take NyQuil and go to bed. He's like, make sure you take your emergency. I'm not feeling good. I'm like, all right, cool. But the, the best part about it is we're doing the show today and I go pee at eight o'clock, right? I come back. There's a video playing and Jason's like, all right, we're finally through the Taco Bell haze. Dude. <laughs> and now I'm, now I'm just sitting here like, cause the problem is, so here's the issue uh, took for you, me at took least. you 18 hours yeah, to get bro. through the Taco Bell yeah, haze. dude. And I haven't eaten hours. since then. And now, now. You got to take a poop? No, I don't. You don't? No, I don't. Oh, dude, I am absolutely brilliant. My feeling is that will happen once I eat again. Yeah, the post game show is going to be late on this thing. Dude, man. like, I just, I, that's what I'm saying, dude. Like, <laughs> I know what I like. I know, I know what I feel good oh. on. Like, it's just a very, like, I enjoyed eating it while we were eating it, but man, like, I just felt like trash last night. <laughs> So what are we going to eat today? Yes, you see Regent Gumby. $70 at Taco Bell. Did they give you a free Chihuahua? No. Dude. 
I mean, super nice girl at the Taco Bell we were talking to. Justin South says, my problem with rates right now is I can't afford a house. There you go. That's a big one. Joshua the Bala says, sometimes Taco Bell's not worth it. Are you ever eating a Taco Bell again? Not for a while. It's going to be a minute. Yeah, not for a while. And I won't get, I can't do ground beef anymore. No. No. I, I can't I, do it. I, I feel my, like, again, all serious, it's not joking. I feel my best when I eat at home or eat Chipotle. Those are the two things that really just fucking feed me. I'm struggling to go back to Chipotle. I'm in that zone and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why either. I don't know why. Because it doesn't suck. It's just, I don't know why. I don't know why. But I did something different than you, though. I didn't feel great after eating uh, Taco Bell yesterday. So I had a cup of oats. Yeah. My wife taught me how to make stovetop oats yesterday. Yeah. So I went and had a cup of oats. I felt great. Woke up this morning just blowing like a gas main. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Them I don't, oats I don't do know, it. man. I just, I, it's, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. It's are, you, are you feeling all right, though? Yeah, I don't think I'm sick. I just feel tired. I feel run because it's bad quality food. So not only, you know, your stomach takes the beating, then the next day you're really hungry. I was, I've been hungry since like seven. Have you really? Yeah, dude, because I, because I didn't eat anything last night because I was scared to eat something. Oh, rough's official. They are not. Chipotle and Taco Bell are not basically the same. No, they're not. Totally different. Greg Romano says all fast food is overpriced, but I won't begrudge the worker and their $15 an hour. No, I won't. Yeah. I don't want to pay $900 for my Epic Pass, but I won't begrudge a guy making 20. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you're here right now, all uh, 124 of you, please give us a thumbs up. It really helps the channel grow. Um, Going to be an interesting run at BYU. I'm telling you, man. Good job getting Jay Hill. This show is brought, brought, wow, hi. It's brought to you by The Advocates. Check them out online at theadvocates.com. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.